Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Thank you very much again for coming to the show tonight. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And so we're going to be talking about what awaits America with a 2016 Democrat presidential victory. And so today we'll have Bard's logic commentary and analysis of the CNN Democratic presidential debate. And the Democrat candidates show us a glimpse of what is in store for America if they win the presidency in 2016. And the way we'll do it tonight is there's a number of topics. And so when I let the folks in, uh, we could talk about what topic uh, that they would like to discuss. And for those who out there who were trying to get a hold of me uh, earlier this week, I do apologize if I have not been able to get back with you. Um, unfortunately, I was uh, 
under the weather for the past five days. I'm still uh, recouping on that, not 100%, as you may be able to tell. But we are here tonight, and I'm very happy that we'll be able to do so. And so if you're out there and you like to listen to the show and be a part of the show, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. And tonight, uh, some of the topics is will include uh, part of uh, you get to pick which one we talk about, which audio clips we'll play it for. And there is uh, capitalism, affirmative action, guns, Benghazi, Russia, Iran, Libya, income inequality, minimum wage, bank bailouts on Wall Street, college affordability, the NSA and Edward Snowden, the year of the outsiders, and climate change. So when you let the folks in, you pick which one of the audio clips uh, that you'd like to hear from the debate. We'll listen to it, and we'll make our commentary. So if you're on the line and you'd like to chime in, just push the one on the number dial. And I do see we have someone called in already, and that is our good friend uh, Christine. Let's go ahead and get Christine in. Thank you very much, Christine, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing very, very well. I'm a little bit smarter than I was last week. Yep. <laughs> I'm a little bit smarter. I've already got the online petition, the first a draft of the ballot language. We're going to use Article 1, Section 6. That's the one that gives the citizens the power to call forth for their local Congress people to show up in court when they write laws and pass them that's not in the Constitution. People don't know that. See, these are some of the things that I've learned in the past week how to do that. So we're going to try to get that petition online see, because we can't beat them any other way. The courts are probably not going to approve of it even though they have to. You know how they are. So the goal is to get millions of people to read it, and hopefully the press will pick it up. Then we will get some press, and when they come back for the next election, we'll have about 20 people running against them, standing there quoting the Constitution against them and saying, Congressperson, you should be arrested for all you've done. So you got, look, we the people, we can't account on the Democrats, and as I can tell you, as a top Republican in this country, we cannot count on Republicans. Now, it's one thing if the Democrats say that, but I'm a top Republican, and I can tell you right now, you can't count on the Democrats either, neither one of them. And you can't count, you can't count on one singular president if they're going to follow the Constitution, because if they do, they can actually arrest Congress if they don't nullify every law that's not in that Constitution, they can be held right there in the House under Article One, Section 8, Clause 15. And, but the best thing I like about this is the fact that we, the people, have so much power that we don't know about. And the other thing we need to look at, while they got us looking at Benghazi and Israel all overseas there, we haven't even noticed where that we've been occupied. Since the 50s, this has been an occupation the same way as the Vichy, dirty Vichy French government. They let the Germans occupy France and made the citizens pay for it. I don't know what happened to that government. I'm sure it wasn't very nice after the Americans got there, but the same thing has been happening in America. It started officially with the 1965 Immigration Act. Not one word of it is in the Constitution. They should have called the 1965 
Occupation Act. And as a result of that being passed, really it was passed by the Supreme Court because the House and, and Senate couldn't have done it without them. So as a result of that, all these years, they piled on lie after lie after lie to the point that they said the police, the state police can't say nothing to, to none of, of the, the foreigners. It's at the point now they actually have written laws that require American citizens, businesses, and individuals to pay a tax to every non-citizen come over there. They charge us a tax. That's how bad this occupation is. But I do believe that we about at the end of it, and I'm about to write another book. Mordecai said I should be writing a book. He's absolutely right. This should be a movie. I believe the day is going to come. When this would be a movie, because see, people say the Democrats are stupid. They ain't stupid. The most clever way to take over a nation, if you know you don't have military power, that's too hard to do because then you got to tear up everything and bomb it. But when you can take the words that keep a nation, let me give me thirty seconds here. When you take the words okay. that keep a nation safe and protect the people, and you flip the script and hide those words and put your regime words in there. And then when the kids are born, we have four generations that think this is all what we're supposed to do. They don't realize that this is an occupation. You should be down here in, in Florida. You should see it. Y'all see, y'all don't understand. But y'all got to come down here and visit me. And oh God, you, you won't believe it. This foreign supremacy through this occupation it has created, and don't nobody make no mistake, you people need to write this down, it's an occupation that has started foreign supremacy, and they, we are required by law to pay every one of them a tax because this is an occupation. It's not immigration. In other words, immigration is Article 1, Section 9, and about five others, that 10 actually back it up. So that's what I got to say and tonight. That's what I learned in, a, in one week. <laughs> Well, and folks, if you want to hear more from uh, Christine here, uh, she was our guest last week on the show, and it was a uh, great show. So definitely uh, take a look at that. So I'm guessing you want to hear uh, the Democrats talk about uh, illegal immigration. So let's go ahead and play the clips. And here's how we'll do it. And I do see some before, before you get started, remember one thing. All of it is illegal. The only way you can legally constitution come to this this country, bear you Bob, you have to be sponsored by a citizen. If you can't do that, then you have to register with the state for them to sponsor you. Then you got to register and get an ID, and that's the way you're here legally under constitution. Anything else, even when the federal government bring is known as a federal invasion under Article Four, Section Two, Section Four, Clause Two. And Article One, Section Eight, Clause Fifteen. That's a felt. They're all invaders, and the invasion was done to occupy this land. So ain't no such thing. It's what they see. That's what they're telling you people. Nope. Because oh, what they did, they made everybody in America, especially Congress, constitutionally illiterate. And this was a purpose. This was a goal. And believe me, it's been working for fifty years. Okay, let's go so ahead and play those audios. And how we gonna do? Hold up. Oh, good. And here's how we're going to do it tonight. And um, I've got uh, people posting in, uh, on Facebook as well about the show tonight, and uh, I'll be uh, looking at that as well. But here's how we're going to do it is I'm going to go ahead and play the audio, and then we're going to bring yes, uh, our callers in. And I have uh, 951. I'm going to be coming in to do a little uh, call screening there just to uh, get your name. 
And then uh, we have Susan on the line. So we'll uh, bring uh, the folks in so you can make commentary on uh, those audios and what they said there. And then uh, 951, and we'll, when you get to win, you get to pick your uh, topic uh, that you like to hear about uh, that, they, that they've done. I can reiterate the, the topics we'll discuss tonight. And then Susan uh, will bring you in. And do that as well. Uh, so first, let's go ahead and uh, listen to the first audio. Uh, I'm going to mute folks' mics, and then we're going to listen to this uh, first audio uh, on the Democrat uh, debate. From, uh, from CNN and Espanol, we're obviously in Nevada. It's had the highest percentage of undocumented immigrants of any state in the country as of last year. Juan Carlos? Gracias, Anderson. In 2013, you voted for immigration reform. But in 2007... When Democrats controlled Congress and the Bush White House was on board, you voted against it. Why should Latino voters trust you now when you left them at the altar at the moment when reform was very close? I didn't leave anybody at the altar. I voted against that piece of legislation because it had guest worker provisions in it, which the Southern Poverty Law Center talked about being semi-slavery. Guest workers are coming in, they're working under terrible conditions, but if they stand up for their rights, they're thrown out of the country. I was not the only progressive to vote against that legislation for that reason. Tom Hawken, a very good friend of Hillary Clinton's and mine, one of the leading labor advocates, also voted against that. Tom Harkin isn't running for president. I know you that, are. but the point being is that progressives did vote against that for that reason. My view right now, and always has been, is that when you have 11 million undocumented people in this country, we need comprehensive immigration reform, we need a path toward citizenship, we need to take people out of the shadows. And Juan Carlos, Juan Carlos. Secretary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, Governor O'Malley wants to open up Obamacare to millions of undocumented immigrants and their children, including almost 90,000 people right here in Nevada. Do you? Well, first of all, I want to make sure every child gets health care. That's why I... Uh, help to create the Children's Health Insurance Program, and I want to support states that are expanding health care and including uh, undocumented uh, children and others. I want to open up the opportunity for uh, immigrants to be able to buy in to the exchanges under the Affordable Care Act. I think to go beyond that, as I understand what Governor O'Malley has recommended, so that they would get the same subsidies, I think that is a, it raises so many issues it would be very difficult to administer. It needs to be part of comprehensive immigration reform when we finally do get to it. Governor O'Malley. Yeah, Juan Carlos, I think what you've heard up here is some of the old thinking on immigration reform, and it's why it's gridlocked. Uh, we need to understand that our country is made stronger in every generation by the arrival of new American immigrants. That is why I have put out a policy for comprehensive immigration reform. That is why I would go further than President Obama has on DACA and DAPA. I mean, we are a nation of immigrants. We are made stronger by immigrants. Do you think for a... I've had it with my... Immigrants. We are made stronger by immigrants. Do you think for a second that simply because somebody's standing in a broken queue on naturalization, they're not going to go to the hospital? and that care isn't going to fall onto our insurance rates. I am for a generous, compassionate America that says we're all in this together. We need comprehensive Senator immigration Webb. reform. It'll make wages go up in America, $250 for every Senator year. Senator Webb, do you support the undocumented immigrants getting Obamacare? I wouldn't have a problem with that. Let me, let me start by, by saying my wife is an immigrant. 
She was a refugee, her family escaped from Vietnam on a boat, her entire extended family, uh, after the communists took over when hundreds of thousands of people were out there and thousands of them were dying. She went to two refugee camps. She never spoke English in her home and she ended up, as I said, graduating from Cornell Law School. That's not only the American dream, that's the value that we have with a good immigration system in place. No country has, is a country without defining its borders. We need to resolve this issue. I, I actually introduced an amendment in the 07 Thank immigration you, bill uh, giving a pathway to citizenship to those people who had come here and put down their roots and met a, a, a series of uh, standards. You, we lost, well, I, 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 but I, I introduced that in 07. So I, we need a comprehensive reform, and we need to be able to define our borders. Secretary Clinton. I, I, I want to follow up, because I think underneath Juan Carlos's important questions, there is such a difference between everything you're hearing here on this stage and what we hear from the Republicans here, here. who have demonized, hardworking immigrants who have here. insulted them. You know, I came to Las Vegas and I think. And then Hillary carries on for a little while, nothing that's really of any substance except uh, a little kowtowing there to uh, illegals. But let's go ahead and uh, do as I said, we're going to go ahead and have Richard come in and make comments on uh, those uh, comments on the illegal immigrants, and then we'll bring in Susan, and then we'll give Richard the opportunity uh, to pick from uh, our list of topics uh, to play their audio, make our uh, commentary and analysis of that. So let's go, and then, of course, we'll bring it back to you too, Christine. Uh, and let's go ahead and bring it to you, Richard. Uh, thank you very much, Richard, for coming to the show. How are you? Doing fine, Robert. Um, it's good to be on. And uh, you know, I don't really know where to begin with this. I mean, uh, first of all, Anyone else um, think they heard Bernie say that um, about the immigrants or the illegal immigrants, we need to get them out of the showers? So I, th I, thought I, I thought I heard him say we need to get them out of the showers. I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know they were in the showers. No, the showers. It's only like he said showers. It sounded like a reference back to, I don't know, you know, the concentration camps in uh, you know, World War II Europe or something, or Nazi Germany or something. But anyway, that was kind of weird. And then, um, you know, the Juan Carlos thing. You know, he he comes on and he he turn he he speaks in English uh, almost as though he's speaking in Spanish. You know, and kind of turns on that, mm -hmm. that heavy accent thing, which is kind of like I don't know what what the shout out was. Uh, you know, to to the the audience that's not listening to this in English anyway. So that's that's sort of <laughs> irrational. Hillary Clinton. I want to go over and above. She wants to go over and above even Bernie Sanders because Hillary Clinton is making a hard, a hard turn to to the left. In fact, so so fast that she's she's kind of swerved into the other lane of traffic, and um, it, it's it's so it's so patently obvious what she's up to uh, with all this. But Hillary Clinton is not a genuine populist. Uh, when Hillary Clinton gets if if she does get elected, and we're going to cross our fingers that doesn't happen, and do everything we can to prevent it. But um, but if she were to get elected, uh, basically she will just be a servant girl for the elite. So most of this is just purely rhetoric. Although although the Democratic Party has their optics, and so does the Republican Party. So so what you've seen in this debate, <clears throat> Robert, is basically is the Democrats kind of like. You know, bring, bringing their little dog and pony show out to put uh, Democrat optics for their particular base of voters on display. You know, which includes the whole thing of, of uh, 
for example, Hillary Clinton. You know, um, uh, the, the the GOP is demonizing immigrants. No, the the uh, the GOP is not demonizing immigrants. But you see, she she conflates immigrants with illegal immigrants because with the mm-hmm. Democrats, basically, and some Republicans, immigrants are all the same. immigrants are immigrants, illegal or otherwise. They're all immigrants. They're all in the same. They lump them all in the same category, which is which is kind of an insult because. Because I have, uh, you know, part, uh, one side of my family is um, uh, is immigrants. Then my 95-year-old father-in-law, um, you know, is is an immigrant to this country. And when he when he came to this country, uh, it was a different paradigm, Robert. It was a it was a situation where when you came before you ever got here, you sat in 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 his case, it was post World War II. Uh, refugee camps sat in there for over five years, and people waited for sponsors. You had to have a sponsor, mm-hmm. so somebody's willing to sponsor you and pay all the costs of you coming over on that ship, all the costs of the government, you know, uh, processing you and everything. And you worked for them. You worked basically as an indentured servant, and you learned English by immersion. There wasn't a multicultural, you know, community that you that you know was there uh, to support and sustain you. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you just just a brief story about my father-in-law and his family. In in the in the place where they settled after he did you know did his work on a on a farm in Arizona, um, <clears throat> where they moved to the neighbors, the neighbors would and talk about want to talk about white privilege here, okay? The neighbors would refer to them as DPs, deported persons. persons. Displaced persons, and it was an epithet. It was an epithet. So, so, you know, all this nonsense about that we're demonizing immigrants, um, it it doesn't cut any ice with me because I know better. I I know what the immigration experience is. A friend of mine, his wife has has been in the application process from, from Japan. It's been in the application process for 12 years. She doesn't wow. have the facility of being able to cross our southern border illegally and become, you know, become a um, a refugee of some sort, or to be brought over from, you know, from Syria. Uh, if you go through the legal process, the the hoops you you have to jump through are nearly endless at this point. So. So yeah, so I'm not so I'm not buying it. And um but there was I mean, you know, there was so so many things that were going on there uh in that debate. I sat there and I was taking notes, notes, notes because I wrote a report on I wrote a column on it on Blasted Fools if you um anybody is interested in looking at that. Especially if you didn't uh, if you didn't watch the debate, I was I was kind of your your uh, political human sacrifice. I sat there and watched the whole thing. And I, you know, I couldn't couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, I thought, boy, this has got to end sometime. And I was, you know, the best part of the, about the whole thing was when it ended. But yeah, you can you can Yahoo <laughs> or Google that. Just put put in the search terms "blasted fools," and then uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and the result will pop up, and you can take a look at that. But yeah, that's kind of my overview on uh, on the uh, immigration aspect of the whole situation. 
Yeah, and they did talk about, uh, and I'll play a little audio of that in a little little bit. We'll get to it. Um, if we start talking about, you know, education, thing of that na- nature, it's in-state college tuition that drives me nuts for illegals. And I'm thinking, I mean, why would we not pass that, uh, pass that along to our own citizens and give it to people who are not citizens, and they're frankly, they're illegal in the country? Why, I mean, why would we not pass that to our own people instead of people who don't, you know, belong here, at least in my opinion, uh, because they came here illegally in the first place. I mean, you save a lot of money by paying in-state tuition. Why should they get that benefit and other folks don't? Well, there's an expression uh, that I heard that I think is pretty apropos, Robert. And and, uh, so this is not minor. I wish I could claim ownership of this or authorship of this. I can't, but it's so good. But it's basically anything that you pay for you get more of. So, so in the case of of what they're what they're doing, they're promoting this is that they're they're telegraphing to that element that they're going to pay for more of this. So, paying for it, you're going to get more border crossing. It's it's a huge invitation for another wave mm-hmm. of illegal uh, border crossing, and the borders aren't secure. So, so this is just basically it's a shout out. Come on in, come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> the beer yeah, not only, yeah. is cold and the water is fine, baby. Yeah, not only that, Come if you don't like the temperature of the water, we'll change it for you. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're going to deal with global warming as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, yeah we, 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 we're going to touch that when they talk about the climate change. And since I'm mentioning it, before we get uh, Susan back in, let's go ahead and uh, play that audio. Uh, about the in-state college tuition. Then the executive orders that President Obama has signed when I'm president. We Secretary Clinton, let me ask you, two of your rivals from your left, Governor O'Malley and Senator Sanders, want to provide in-state college tuition to undocumented immigrants. Where do you stand on that? My plan would support any state that takes that position and would work with those states and encourage more states to do the same so thing. You, on the record, you believe that uh, undocumented immigrants should get in-state college tuition. If their states agree, then we want more states to do the same. Governor O'Malley. And Anderson, we actually did this in my state of Maryland. We passed a state version of the agreement. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the xenophobes, the immigrant haters, like some that we've heard, like Donald Trump, that carnival barker in the Republican Party, uh, <laughs> tried to mischaracterize it as, as free uh, tuition for illegal immigrants. But we took our case to the people when it was petitioned to referendum, and we won with 58% of the vote. The more our children learn, the more they will earn, and that's true of children who have yet to be naturalized but will become Americans. Senator Sanders, you talked about your record on the Veterans Affairs Committee. You served on that committee for the last eight years, including two years as its chairman, while veterans died waiting for health care. You and Senator McCain ultimately addressed the issue with bipartisan legislation. Why did it take 18 inspector general reports and a CNN investigation and others before you and your colleagues took action? Well, I was chairman for two years. And when I was chairman, we did take action. What we did is pass a $15 billion piece of legislation. Yeah, I think that was just on another topic. And so let's go ahead and at this time, let's bring uh, Susan in, and then we'll uh, bring it around back to you, Christine. And then we'll give uh, Richard the opportunity to pick one of the topics we have here uh, for one of the audio clips. And I'm going to be uh, behind the scenes here checking out and responding to some more uh, Facebook posts here on the show tonight. So, Susan, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? 
I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, uh, feeling some better. Uh, was, went, went back to work yesterday, and uh, and today and tomorrow I'll be uh, I'll be there at about 8 a.m. tomorrow. Get up about 6:30 after being up till about <laughs> two or so tonight. But you know, hey, now I now I don't have to wonder why anymore where I got sick later earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. Well, yeah. Um, go ahead. What do you think about I, what we've heard so far? Well, um. I, you haven't said I could take anything, but I hope we can bring this Paul Ryan thing into it later. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but um, I was going to make a quick mention. Remember what my topic was on the government and how we put our mm-hmm. freedom slip away and, you know, lemonade and all that? <laughs> you wonder why this country is going to hell in a handbasket. Cop pulls over driver for drinking coffee. Yes, sirree, Bobsy. He surely did. Gave her a warning, said she shouldn't be drinking coffee in the car. So remember, folks, you might get pulled over for drinking a bottle of water, too, while you're on the road. Uh, This is what has happened. It's gone way too far. And this is why we have this nonsense going on in these political debates. You know, when we let these freedoms slip away to the point where cops pull you over for drinking coffee, we got problems. We just have problems. And as for immigration, well, I, man, that's a, that's a topic. I just feel we should do what President Eisenhower did, and he shipped them all back uh, to South America. Uh, I don't know what you do with those that have come over from foreign countries across the sea, but I guess you have to, I don't know. I don't have the answers for everything on that. But, um Definitely, we need to ship them back. And only only those that are a few each year, you know, so many, that are vetted, completely vetted, so we know they're not terrorists, they're not this, they're not that, can come in. And that's on work or whatever. Now, there are, we have in our church um, some refugees. Um, they are Seventh-day Adventists, and they're from the Congo. And uh, they're nice people. Some of them have jobs. I, you know, I know they've been in the middle of shooting and, oh, my gosh, what they've gone through. One kid, both his parents were killed. He didn't even know his true age for sure within a few years. Um, so, obviously, there was, you know, there are problems and there are situations. And there's only so many we can take in. But I love these people, and they're, they're really cool. They are working. The church has helped them with clothes and different things, you know, and, and I, my heart goes out to them that they had to live through that, you know, but they're, I, they're not illegal immigrants, they actually are real refugees, and obviously, we know they're members of the church, they're good people, so I don't know, it's, it's a lot of, it's, there's a lot of hard things to handle, we, a lot of these Muslim people from different countries, you know, I'm sure there's a few that are being persecuted and, and treated badly, but it's so hard with them because of this situation to know what's going on. I think a lot of them are just skating because they want jobs or they want this or they want that. Most of them are men, so they leave the kids and the women behind. And we created the mess over there with ISIS. We we funded and did all that. And, um, yeah, I stand with a sod. I'm sorry, I'm going to blurt that right out. You know, I, I'm sorry that 
you know, the Christians, the different ones are being persecuted in his country. He has tried to protect them. And uh, so I stand with him because he has tried to help. The women have had more freedoms than him, just like they did into some of the other regimes we destroyed and put in worse people. So, you know, when that happens, you know, like Shah of Iran and different things, I, I get mad. I say, stay out of it. And we wouldn't have so many immigrants, refugees, etc. It would sort of work itself out eventually. So that's my comment on that. And then we got some folks, and we'll talk about this briefly because I said I'm responding to some things uh, on my posts here on Facebook uh, about the show tonight, who, you know, of course, they're, you know, they're liberals, so and that's okay, you know, there's, there's liberals amongst us. Um, but, you know, we're basically, you know, one one comment, and I won't mention the person's name, uh, if they want to uh, be heard, then they can go ahead and give us a call in. Uh, but basically... And it's also because what they're saying is basically that, you know, the top uh, 0.1% need to be given French haircuts and then uh, has a picture of a guillotine on it. So I still find that intriguing on uh, that response. Um, And then another person said that the top 2% should be taxed silly. Now, I'm not anywhere near the uh, top 2%. There are uh, some things that I heard during the Democrat debate that, Frankly, especially out of Webb, which unfortunately was the guy who made the most sense uh, on the de- uh, debate, and he's already dropped out. So it makes me wonder if the Democrat Party said, look, Webb, you can't say that in front of a Democrat audience. You got to go. Because then some of the things uh, said, you know, made sense. And, and there are some other things I want to make comment on uh, that I believe, you know, you know, may be a good idea. Uh, I guess it's one reason why I'm a, an independent, just because it comes out of the Democrats' mouth. Don't necessarily mean it's all uh, bad, in my opinion, just mostly. And so let's go ahead and bring in uh, Christine. And Christine, let's go Wait. ahead and get uh, some comments and well, let's hear And then we're going to go ahead. Well, Hold on, Christine. And then we're going to bring it over to Richard so we can pick our next topic. Go ahead, uh, Christine. Great. Well, I'm glad you're letting me come back. First of all, this is a word war. And unfortunately, everything I heard. Uh, from all of them, they're all constitutionally illiterate. you got to understand this constitutional illiteracy is not an accident. They took the Constitution out of the schools when they first started the Immigration Act of 1965. They had to have both parties illiterate on the Constitution and the public. Now, first of all, one of the reasons I'm telling you that immigrants don't have federal rights. No, absolutely not. You heard Donald Trump tell you about Amendment 14. They don't have any rights. It's 10 more clauses to tell you they don't have rights. They are felons under 18 U.S.C. 1325. See, because the way you have to start a path to citizenship, Article 1, Section 9, it starts with the people. You need a person to sponsor you. If you can't get someone to sponsor you, you pay for state sponsorship. Then when you get there, either your state or, the, or, you know, the person that you've got, they take you to get you registered. Once you get registered, the state gives you an ID card, and you can't be deported. That's the way millions of people came for hundreds of years. Now, what the feds can't do, they cannot give entitlement to non-citizens. It is treason and prohibited by Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. That says that they can only levy taxes for the welfare of Americans. So if you are 
or Venezuela and wherever you come from, you have to get all your entitlements from Amendment 14 like it told you from the state and from Amendment 10 and Amendment 11. Say they all fall under state power. But since everybody's constitutionally illiterate, they don't know any better. Look, this is not an accident. How else do you think you can get an occupation started if everybody knows the truth? And then the next thing I wrote, there's no such thing as this American immigrant they're saying. They're all occupiers. They're occupiers. They're, these people are all criminal, every one of them, even if they think they got citizenship. Write this down, people. Google reasons for revocation of naturalizing. It tells you no matter how you got your citizenship under new laws, if it wasn't attached to the Constitution, it can and likely will be revoked. So we have a lot of unconstitutional things things occurring. American taxpayers, uh, you know, they're paying a lot of money for this, and they're talking about how um, uh, these people have strength in America. That's a lie. We've been weakened by this federal occupation of America. We pay millions of dollars to millions of people, no billions, to millions of them on welfare and it's made made uh, American citizens homeless. They get expensive uh, financial aid to the tune $150,000. They get they get to live in an apartment that costs $200,000 a month for three or $200. They get all the health care. Americans are required to pay a tax to take care of that. So we have not been strengthened. We have more Americans on welfare, and our unemployment rate is all around 30. Oh, it's just terrible. And then what about the ones of us? Who are on homeless, especially the Caucasians. That's the part I'm really mad about because the Caucasians from Europe, they the one that built everything with the African American patent. Now, what I'm saying to you, when we stop paying this billions of dollars a day to millions of non-citizens, what y'all don't know is they got to pay it back to Americans. That's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. They're supposed to be sending every American an income tax refund check and also to bring the businesses back. See, the business, they got to leave, guys. If they stay here, it could be 70% of their, their bottom line go to taxes. So they got to go offshore. They got to leave. That's what Donald Trump was saying. He's would like to stop that, and I'm working now to show him how to do that. So these are things we got to look at, and this also we, we got to look at. All persons who came to America in the past 50 years or so are part of the occupation. They are not illegal. They are not immigrants. They are occupiers, which is a criminal treasonous act against this country. The only people who came to our country that are, are here legally and constitutionally are medical residents, College students who came under scholarships and those who had student visas. But you see, the reason they okay is because colleges and universities, the top ones, they are autonomous entities of the state, and so are hospitals. They don't have to ask the United States. They are they're like a state themselves. And uh, the next thing I look look at, you got to remember, people, the path to citizenship is already in the Constitution. It's about six clauses. They just don't want to do it. How do you know? Because you are constitutionally illiterate. On what you should be doing is suing the U.S. Department of Education for this. And finally, it's the, demon, the Democrats who demonize immigrants by not telling them the truth 
about how to come to the United States under the Constitution like tens of millions of people did, and there was never, never any deportation. They actually executed more people for spying because when you come, you're supposed to be invited to this country by the people first. You can't get them. Somebody don't know you. You get a state sponsorship. When you get here, you go register. You home free. They can't deport you. But they can't do that no more because the federal court made the states close all the immigration offices. So it's really a bad mm-hmm. catch-22, but they had a reason for doing that. The purpose was so that, to yeah, occupy it, this country. Hello? Well, sir, yeah. No, I'm, I'm here. And, oh, and yeah. So, yeah. And we we've got we've got a lot to go about. We might be able to bring it back around there. And and, and oh, one yeah, thing sure, I mentioned in another show, real quick, hold on, because we want to bring we want to bring up to some other topics because you know we're not okay. going to we got more, a lot more than just immigration tonight. And perhaps you know yeah. there's still plenty of time in the show. Maybe we'll be able to get back to that. Um, but what we're yeah. going to do is, um, oh yeah, and don't just wish a lot of these topics would go away. Because I'm frankly, you know, every election cycle getting kind of tired of hearing about them and wishing we could mm-hmm. just solve these problems and then move on. Uh, to something else, but let's go ahead and let's you bring it over to Richard. And you will not stop anything without knowing that. Nope. And so, well, and, and getting some folks who, who know what are going to act on it. And so, uh, so we've, we've talked about the the immigration, but also, uh, you know, they made mention of uh, these are to you, Richard. There was capitalism. They're talked about a little bit about affirmative action, guns, Benghazi, uh, what's going on in uh, Russia. And Iran and Libya, uh, income inequality, uh, talk about the minimum wage, bank, the bank bailouts and Wall Street, uh, college affordability, the NSA and Edward Snowden, the year of the outsiders, and climate change. So among those, uh, Richard, which one of those uh, audio clips you want to hear about? <laughs> this is kind of like a game show. I, I like this. Uh, let's see. Well, okay. um, so yeah, okay, well I, think <laughs> I, I think I'll use up all my points here and pick – uh, a, cu- a couple of items on the board. Uh, I like Edward Snowden, and I also like Russia and Syria and Iraq. Okay, so let's see mm-hmm. here. So, yeah, so. so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we'll um, yeah, there's a, a number of them. And so let's go ahead, and here's the one for Russia, and then after uh, – uh, we play the clip on Russia, then we'll get uh, your commentary on that, Richard, and then Susan, and then we'll uh, get Christine, and I may throw some comments in there myself. But here's – now I'm going to keep the mics open, so let's uh, keep the background noise uh, at a minimum, if uh, not completely at all, if we can. If not, I, I don't want to have to mute the mic, but unfortunately, well, if we need to, uh, so we can hear the audio. Here it is. Actually did. And that's why not only did we pass it, but the NRA didn't Thank dare you. to petition it to referendum I wanna, because we my, built a public... I want to I, I move on to another issue which is in the headlines right now, another crisis-making headlines. Secretary Clinton, Russia, they're challenging the U.S. and Syria. According to U.S. intelligence, they've lied about who they're bombing. You spearheaded the reset with Russia. Did you underestimate the Russians as, and as president? What would your response to Vladimir Putin be right now in Syria? Well, first of all, we got a lot of business done with the uh, Russians when Medvedev was the president and not Putin. We got a nuclear arms deal. We got the Iranian sanctions. We got an ability to bring important material and equipment to our soldiers in Afghanistan. There's no doubt that when Putin came back in and said he was going to be president, uh, that did change the relationship. We have to stand up to his bullying, and specifically in Syria, 
It is important, and I applaud the administration because they are engaged in talks right now with the Russians to make it clear that they've got to be part of the solution to try to end that bloody conflict and to provide safe, safe zones so that people are not going to have to be flooding out of Syria at the rate they are. And I think it's important, too, that the United States make it very clear to Putin that it's not acceptable uh, for him to be in Syria, creating more chaos, bombing people on behalf of Assad. And we can't do that if we don't take more of a leadership position, which is what I'm advocating. Senator Sanders, what would you do differently? Well, let's understand that when we talk about Syria, you're talking about a quagmire in a quagmire. You're talking about groups of people trying to overthrow Assad, other groups of people fighting ISIS. You're talking about people who are fighting ISIS, using their guns to overthrow Assad, and vice versa. I'm the former chairman, Anderson, of the Senate Veterans Committee. And in that capacity, I learned a very powerful lesson about the cost of war. And I will do everything that I can to make sure that the United States does not get involved in another quagmire like we did in Iraq, the worst foreign policy blunder in the history of this country. We should be putting together a coalition of Arab countries who should be leading the effort. We should be supportive. But I do not support American ground troops in Syria. On this issue of foreign policy, I want well, to go to Canada. Nobody Dana does. I want, to does, well, I want to go over to Dana Bash. Dana? Governor Chafee, you were the only Republican in the Senate to vote against the Iraq War. You say Secretary Clinton should be disqualified from the presidency because she voted in favor of using force in Iraq. She has since said that her vote was a mistake. Why isn't that good enough? We just heard Senator Sanders say that it's the worst decision in American history. That's very significant. The worst decision in American history, I just saw, heard from Senator Sanders. So as we look ahead, if you're going to make those poor judgment calls, a critical time in our history, we just finished with the Vietnam era, getting back into another quagmire. Uh, if you're looking ahead and you're looking at someone that made that poor decision in 2002 to go into Iraq when there was no real evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, I know because I did my homework. And so that's a, an indication of how someone will perform in the future, and that's what's important. Secretary Clinton, he's questioning your judgment. Well, I, I recall very well being on a de debate stage, I think about 25 times with uh, then-Senator Obama, debating this very issue. After the election, he asked me to become Secretary of State. He valued my judgment, and I spent a lot of time with him in the Situation Room going over some very difficult issues. You know, I, I agree completely. We don't want American troops on the ground in Syria. I never said that. What I said was we had to put together a coalition, in fact, something that I worked on before I left the State Department to do. And yes, it should include Arabs, people in the region, because what I worry about is what will happen with ISIS gaining more territory, having more reach, and frankly, posing a threat to our friends and neighbors in the region and far beyond. So uh, I think uh, whether well, you're talking about the, the tough decision that uh, President Obama had to make about Osama bin Laden, where I was one of his few advisors, or putting together that coalition to impose sanctions on Iran, I think I have a lot of evidence. Thank you, Senator Sanders. Senator Sanders, I want to bring you in here. My question for you is, as a congressman, 
Uh, you voted against the Iraq War. You voted against the Gulf War. You're just talking about Syria. But under what circumstances would a President Sanders actually use force? Let me just respond to something the Secretary said. Uh, first of all, she is talking about, as I understand, a no-fly zone in Syria, which I think is a very dangerous uh, situation, could lead to real problems. Second of all, I heard the same evidence from President Bush and Dick Cheney and Don Ronsfeld about why we should overthrow Saddam Hussein and get involved in the war. I would urge people to go to BernieSanders.com, hear what I said in 2002, and I say without any joy in my heart that much of what I thought would happen about the destabilization, in fact, did happen. So I think... I think the president is trying very hard to thread a tough needle here, and that is to support those people who are against Assad, against ISIS, without getting us on the ground there. And that's the direction I believe we should have. But Senator Sanders, you didn't answer the question, under what, under what circumstances would you actually use force? Well, obviously, I voted when President Clinton said, let's stop ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. I voted for that. I voted to make sure that Osama bin Laden was held accountable in Afghanistan when our country is threatened or when our allies are threatened. I believe that we need coalitions to come together to address the major crises of this country. I do not support the United States getting involved in unilateral action. Let's work with our allies. I'm going to bring you all. Okay, that's the uh, end of that clip. Richard, uh, what's your thought? Yeah, so that that section of the debate is just uh it's fascinating um this this just a it's 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 pregnant with uh with uh, uh you know an underlying you know narrative that that we kind of have to talk about whether we're talking about the democrats or the or the republicans first of all bernie sanders that that was the only part of the debate where Bernie Sanders actually uh, vigorously differed with Hillary Clinton on anything, and I don't, you know, I don't know whether you could say stood up to her or not. Uh, he, you know, the whole thing—they're all pretty weak. They're all a bunch of little, uh, little puppies, you know, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, um, <laughs> chasing after mommy there. But, but as far as that went, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. You know, Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, fulfills the broken clock uh, paradigm uh, in that particular segment. You know, the 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 broken clock being right uh, precisely once or twice a day, uh, depending on whether it's a.m. or p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is correct. He is correct that he pulled out pulled the rug out from underneath uh, himself. Um, Hillary Clinton. You know, I don't know how she could have been more clear that as president, she is going to continue the the longstanding practice of Democrats supporting endless wars on multiple points of the globe. And as, as Secretary of State, as Madam Secretary... Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, approved a lot of arms deals to a lot of soft and hard dictators to 
to not only engage in, you know, and basically what we did is we supplied weapons to both sides of conflicts, sectarian and otherwise. So a lot, so a lot of the, a lot of the refugee situations, a lot of the people who are having their heads cut off, were being crucified. Most of them mm-hmm. Christians. Uh, this, this is accountable to what I consider to be the most, the most hazardous, the most dangerous national security issue, which is American foreign policy, American geopolitical global chessboard strategy, which basically we've been practicing at least since, you know, at the end of World War II. And Hillary Clinton, you know, has, is, is, is up to her elbows in blood. Um, and so she, for her talk about, uh, to talk about um, Vladimir Putin as being a bully, the reality of the fact is, when you, you look at that, that, region of the world, Middle East, Russia is not that much different than the United States in terms of that it has a sphere of influence and it has a master geopolitical strategy. And the Middle East is very important to it. And they no more want Salafist, you know, jihadists moving, heading north, uh, you know, to to their uh, empire and creating uh, a repeat of the problems that Russia has had in the past and had to deal with severely. They no more want that heading north than we want it heading, ostensibly speaking anyway, than we want it heading west. And Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, presided over the the destruction of Libya. She removed a leader in Libya. She wants to do the same thing in Syria. She removed Gaddafi. You know that country was was stable, it was prosperous. They were they were pumping 1.6 billion barrels of oil a day, Um, and now that has been cut by 25. uh, That has been cut by 75 percent. Excuse me. It's a terrorist Disneyland. Um, uh, ISIS has set up shop there. And Hillary was a party to the creation of America's devil doll, which is the Islamic State. She is one of the, she is one of its parents. I mean, it's it's had several parents. I mean, we the CIA, you know, that the Pentagon, the 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 State Department, um, you know, the Saudi Arabians, the uh, uh, Turkey, um, you know, and, and uh, numerous of other, uh, you know. Uh, Persian Gulf allies, uh, you know, have all you know kind of contributed to that situation. But but uh, Hillary was a big player in the whole thing. So she's basically talking about she's telling she's telling Russia, hey, you know, get out of there. You're you're a, you're you're stepping on our prerogative here. These were proxies that we created, and we're not done using them yet. So how how dare you go in there and try to take them out? If you if you translate if you if you retranslate the whole thing from Hillary speak to plain English that's exactly what she's saying. And and so so what we need to do in answer to, you know Susan's comments which I thought were very germane. Um, the answer to the refugee situation is is to stop arming both sides of conflicts, and stop and stop this this 
creating of 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 you know proxy armies and um you know and uh in this this uh, this kind of uh, destabilization campaign that we've been that we've been doing and and once we pull back on all of that you're going to see your things will start there'll there'll be some order that will you know that that will um, that will come about there that will restore people's you know lives that's basically that's my that's my overview on the situation and, and we're going to be bringing you in in a, in a second, Susan. But uh, since uh, you brought this up <clears throat> about uh, what the uh, great threats to America are, let's hear what the other candidates, uh, including Hillary, saw with the greatest threats to America. And then we'll bring uh, you and Susan to go over the uh, comments uh, from both Richard and our uh, audio clips uh, prior. So let's go here and hear what they think is our greatest threats to America. Seconds for each of you. Governor Chafee, what is the greatest national security threat to the United States? It's certainly the chaos in the Middle East, there's no doubt about it. Okay. And it all started with the Iraq invasion. Governor O'Malley? I believe that nuclear Iran remains the biggest threat along with the spread of ISIL. Climate change, of course, makes cascading threats even worse. Secretary Clinton, the greatest national security threat. I, I think it has to be continuing uh, threats from the spread of nuclear weapons, nuclear material that can fall into the wrong hands. I know the terrorists are constantly seeking it, and that's why we have to stay vigilant, but also united uh, around the world to prevent that. Senator Sanders, greatest national The scientific community is telling us if we do not address the global crisis of climate change, transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to sustainable energy, the planet that we're going to be leaving our kids and our grandchildren may well not be habitable. That is a major crisis. Senator Webb, our greatest long-term strategic challenge is our relations with China. Our greatest day-to-day -day threat is cyber warfare against this country. Our greatest military operational threat is resolving these situations in the Middle East. All right, we're going to take a short break. Do these candidates see eye to eye on an issue that is driving a big wedge between Republicans? That is next. We'll be right back. And so, Susan, I'll leave this, uh, bring it over to you, and then we'll bring uh, you back in, Christine. Uh, so, Susan, give us your thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, let's go to the situation with... Uh, uh, Syria. Um, I just Googled up something because I, I knew that this is probably the, the truth what I've been saying, but why do Christians in Syria support Assad? And I don't know if any of you remember that they went and came over here to have a meeting and John McCain attacked the Christians from Syria. And Lindsey Graham had to apologize. Uh, he He didn't have to, but he did, so because it, it was shameful how McCain greeted him. But there is only about 10% of the Syrian population, which is Christian minorities. And um, should the rebels get their way on top of the Assad regime, the same brutal pattern experienced by Iraq's Christian minorities who have been uh, killed off like dogs will, um, will come to Syria where a preacher recently urged Muslims to tear apart and chop up and feed Christians who support Assad to the dogs. So, you see, um, this is why I support Assad, because if he should fall, Syria will go the way of the Iraq post-Saddam Hussein, and Saddam restrained the influence of militant Islamics, but after his fall, they wreaked havoc on the Christian community. Uh, we were wrong to interfere there. I, I Saddam... He was not a nice man. I wouldn't have wanted him for a neighbor particularly. But you know what? He and Gaddafi and all of them did 
the women had more freedoms. They had more, um, the Christians had more uh, protection. And sometimes you jump from the frying pan into the fire, which is what happened with that, with these situations. Um, as for the Democrats and their wars, and uh, we, we can't say the Republicans are any more innocent. They've been in wars, too. Uh, they're both. It's just one under the mm-hmm. new world order. And uh, for myself, I supported Ross Perot. And if anyone were going to get anybody out, I mean, how can I trust anybody, anybody on either side, if they cannot get one pastor out of prison, Pastor Saeed Abedin, if you can't get him, what makes you think you're going to win a battle anywhere? Excuse me. That shouldn't have been that hard because Roscoe rescued EBS employers in Iran in 1978, a private mission. He took, he and um, uh, Special Operations Hero Colonel Bull Simmons and Ross Perot. That's right. I remember hearing about their, that. Yeah, Pro, Pro's employees that were trapped in Iran in 78. Now, if they could do that, a private situation, we can't get a pastor we obviously cannot win a war, so why are we in these wars to begin with? This uh, Colonel Simmons um, actually conducted the Sante Raid of Operation Ivory Coast, and it was a successful, famous rescue operation, but because he was given poor intelligence, the camp didn't even have any prisoners of war, and they came up empty-handed, which sucked, but they did pull off getting in there and getting out. And I have no doubt that was weighing heavy on his mind. Uh, and many Vietnam veterans, as it said, probably were highly supportive of this rescue because of what it symbolized, uh, that it can be done. And it, this is all in the story uh, in the book On Wings of Eagles, uh, which I believe is written by Ross Perot or about him. But uh, obviously we have very poor, from George Bush to Clinton to all of them, we have poor Poor management of a war if you're going to have one. Have somebody who knows what the bloody hell they're doing. Obviously, Putin does. So, and, uh, folks, well, folks, and actually, well, we've got our good friend Kelly on the line. Uh, looks like the, he was trying to get in, but uh, something didn't pop up on my call screener to let me know that was the case. Christine, we will be getting you uh, back on, but. Uh, since I've been informed here that uh, we've been neglecting Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you, buddy? Hey, I feel so neglected. I'm a little late. I went to a local water board meeting as a film crew to kind of keep people honest. But uh, anyway, yeah, hello, everyone. <laughs> you were waterboarding somebody? That what I heard you say? <laughs> Oh, it, it was a water water meeting where it was a, a small town has uh, water issues and you know from their city water supply and a friend asked me to go along. He's on the board and I just held the camera, and kept things honest. And what do you know? The meeting went really well, um, except some other weird stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you weren't involved in any enhanced inter- interrogation or anything like that. Oh no no no! The uh, I had a good friend. Uh, a good friend, Roger, who's on the board, and he inspired me to feel you look at getting on some local position somewhere. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see, Bernie, we're, uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, Bernie Sanders. I mean, sorry, Bernie Sanders. Uh, burn, burn my standards. Um, anyway, 
Okay, <laughs> Russia and well, Syria and all that good stuff. All the killing yeah, and dying over there, yeah. Yeah, all that little thing, uh, that little thing. Um, I actually, in my, I'm Northern California, the Oregon border. We have, I, I, we, we actually have our three token Democrats. I see them every year at the county fair in their little booth, and nobody visits them. But, uh, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> believe it. I've actually seen. He's got a following. He does. He's actually. Uh, I, I was driving, taking a friend to the hospital. Like, oh my God! What is that? Yeah, it was a Bernie Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders bumper sticker. And then I, I think I've seen three. Um, I think I might have seen one Hillary Clinton. So obviously here they like Bernie from these three bumper stickers, but those are the. Democrats or token Democrats who go to the county fair. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's fascinating. They're trying to talk about. They asked Mr. Sanders what, uh, well, what kind of standards would you have to go to war? And and of course the Democrats. You will not. I don't think you'll hear the word the Constitution during the debate. But you know mm-hmm. we do have this thing called Congress declares war. Not the president. It says. Congress declares war. Now, why is that? The brilliance of that is real simple. Kings throughout history, um, I just want to have a nicer palace. I need an addition. Let's go to war. You know, blood for plunder. Yeah, that's a game plan. So the founders put it that only Congress can do it. The brilliance is this, is if we don't want a war, we just write our congressman. Hey, let's not have a war. I mean, World War II, obviously, you know, Pearl Harbor got hit, and then uh, people were calling the congressman. People were signing up, obviously, the Congress got it right and immediately did the declaration of war. So, you know, I just wonder, why don't we try the Constitution as a standard to go to war? I mean, just, you know, like Rand Paul said, why don't we try freedom? <laughs> well, well, I, you know, I think the reason, I think the reason that, that the, the political leadership on both sides doesn't, doesn't try the Constitution is because the Constitution is an inconvenient, it's, it's, it's something, it's a hindrance. It stands in the way of, you know, enhanced profits for the, uh, you know, for the um, defense contractors and the uh, and the banks, and and it prevents the 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 government from growing larger and more po- powerful. So that well, would probably be the reason on their end, anyway. Yeah. Now, why why do they keep saying our interests in the Middle East? What are our interests in the Middle East? Okay, protect our allies. Yeah, I can agree with that. But what are our interests? Could it be oil? Could it be our interests <laughs> to protect the interests? We build more military machine to protect our interests. What our interests protecting the military industrial complex. <laughs> like, well, that's right. That's right. Well, that's that's exactly right. And you also you also need to take a look. We need to take a second look, a second hard look at these quote unquote allies that we have uh, in these different regions: Turkey, Saudi Arabia, uh, Pakistan. I'll just name those three. Throw those out there, um, you know, um, on on the fire. I mean, these if these are allies, you, you've got to wonder what it is that uh, you know how we as a country have have kind of degraded our national uh, you know vision to 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 get to the point where we have a race to the bottom where these are the allies. It's incredible to me. Yeah, it's. Uh... I'm just so scratching my head. You know, they're complaining about the Bush, you know, and then they, they mention Rumsfeld and Cheney and Bush and the war in Iraq. And and yet, what's his name? Uh, I, I still think, real, yeah, real quick, I'm just going to make a brief comment. I, mean, I, I still think that, when you know, they said, oh, there was not any 
weapons of mass destruction. I, I, I indeed still think that there was. I think we just gave them so much time to move that, and I think it was moved to Syria, and that and I think it, Syria in part used some of those chemical weapons. Uh, that they, I think they were there, and I think there was intelligence there, but we just gave them, what, 18 months uh, before we, we moved in, you know, militarily moved in there. And so I think they had plenty of time to move it, and I think it found its way to Syria. That's that's all. That's all I'm going to say on that. Go ahead, well, it's Kelly. curious though. It's curious though because the president himself later, later came out in a public statement, it might have been in one of his uh, you know State of the Union's address, actually admitted. No, I'm you know I'm sorry. We we didn't we didn't. There weren't any weapons of mass destruction there. We didn't find any. There weren't any. He actually admitted it. This was after he'd been in there for you know we'd uh, you know, occupied the place and we'd probably lost you know four. 5,000 American troops and, you know, and, and blown $2 trillion, uh, you know, no, there wasn't any, but, but whether there was or not, okay, um, I, I believe that that whole situation, the premise of going in there, the premise was that it wasn't so much weapons of mass destruction, the original premise was, this is the reason we were going in there, is because Saddam Hussein was an ally of al-Qaeda and was harboring al-Qaeda. There was no al-Qaeda cells in that country. It's absolutely been debunked and discredited, uh, you know, 12 ways from Sunday. The whole premise of the invasion of, of Iraq was, was false. Well, also 911, you know, and, and, you know, who did it? Missing 28 pages. You know, so we went and shot the dog for eating the catnip, which it was the cat. I mean, we still don't have the bottom of that. <laughs> They're so generally, they think. <laughs> Great. I think yeah. we had a show in those 28 pages, Kelly, didn't we? Yeah. That guy was great. I think we, I, I actually think we did do a show on that. Go ahead. Yeah. So Democrats in general, just kind of be fair, they they don't favor war, but well, except Obubu decided to extend the war till the next president to stand <laughs> off the Republic military industrial complex. But you know they complain about uh, Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld, blah 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 blah. Well, you know what? I won't be surprised if the Democrats go to war to protect their interests in the Middle East, which we could be there their military contractors and their friends that uh, rebuild cities and all the whatever have you. I mean, it's there's a reason why we have in the Constitution a declaration of war, so that people can write their congressmen or call and say, don't go to war. Exactly. Because of annals of history, kings want a bigger palace or a temple. Actually, there's a Roman uh, Caesar who... who um, you know, some men have men had problems, so they drive big trucks. Well, the Caesars seem to have uh, this this competition for the biggest temple for supposedly their god. But there was a Caesar who actually couldn't find the funds in the treasury to build his temple, which is going to be bigger than the last Caesar. So he ordered the army to go attack and and plunder another nation, blood for plunder, so he could get his glory glorified. I mean. Reason why we do have the Constitution. It's just why don't we try it? Exactly. Well, well we let's should. Let's go ahead we and, uh, gentlemen, and, and bring Christine back into the uh, conversation. And then I got a message from Susan. She's away for a bit, but I do know it is uh, Susan's turn to uh, pick what our next topic will be. But uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and bring Christine uh, back in. Go ahead, Christine. Hi. Well, I am just so glad Kelly is bringing out, you know, the Constitution. See, what we got to do, we got to flip the script on them. They flipped the script on the Constitution. They established constitutional illiteracy. See, if Americans were not so constitutionally illiterate, 
they would realize that we in just as bad a shape as Russia, Syria, and all of them. You see, they don't really know that we are occupied and we are being ripped off by this occupation. Ignorance is bliss. You see, we're ordered to pay nonsense about the millions, billions, billions, go down to Shindy Pool every month. And what we also have to do, we have to give them our jobs. If America would stop and think if they knew how illegal this is and treason and traitor, if they would stop and think for a minute, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. If they would stop and think, well, why do our jobs, why ain't we got jobs here? Because they don't run all the jobs overseas. Ain't no company going to stay here. If they do, their bottom line ain't going to be worth a quarter. Look at what they're doing to Donald Trump right now. They got him in some federal court about some taxes. They rip him off every month like they do the rest of them. But see, by the American citizens, they don't notice. They think that it's the right thing. They be calling illegal, illegal immigration, illegal, when it's really just an occupation. You know, it's just like when the Vichy government of France, those dirty dogs, they helped the Nazis to invade France and then made their citizens pay for it. A lot of French people went down in debt because of that. I really do think that America should do like Kelly is saying do. We might, we going to have to go back to the three words, we the people. We're going to have to take this government back with the same words that we started with the U.S. Constitution, and it can be done. Because I'm sending Kelly, I'm going to be sending him some information Friday, we're going to get an online petition started. It needs to be an, on everybody's email. Need needs to be on it. We get millions of people to do this, and we'll find out how to save ourselves. Because if you really know this, it would be fights in the street right now. It would be wars if people knew what is really happening to them, how their jobs are being gone, they're homeless, all this stuff would, uh, would, would come out. So anyway, let's go on to what I heard somebody say about the NRA. Oh, shoot, the federal government ain't got nothing to do with that. They, these people can't read. Can't you read Amendment Number 11 say uh, about the, the, the right of a free state to be secure? It, it, it's regulated by the state of militia and all that. Can't they read? It's as simple as that. The only thing they can do is regulate commerce amongst, amongst states. They, they can't tell them anything else other than that. They can't tell any individual person what they can have as a weapon. That is a state regulation, not not a national one. Like they're talking about all these gun laws. They go, right, they, oh, that's treason. They can't do that. And finally, I'll end to tell you guys that don't think that this is stupid. The Democrats were very intelligent. Little by little, they have established a foreign supremacy with its occupation, and it is just destroying us in this blood. It's a bloodless coup. Ain't a drop of blood being, being spared. It, it is. Look, that's, can't you hear Nieta and Castro? They're bragging that they're not finding a shot. Castro is saying he's going out to Alabama and Louisiana and Mississippi next. He said he ain't got to shoot them stupid Americans. The Democrats have made communist laws. Nieta, he's talking about, huh, it's already the United States' next Southwest, and he's bragging, too, that he has not fired a shot. It's a bloodless coup. They did the most intelligent thing in the world. 
instead of shooting at you, because they know they can't win like that, they had your Democrats to flip the script on the Constitution and do everything just the opposite. So you think this is immigration, you think it's illegal, and, and uh, uh, it ain't uh, immigration at all. It's an occupation. That's what Christine? it is, and there's nothing else I can say. Hey, Christine, quick, Christine, quick, quick, quick question. Um, I, I'd be interested in hearing your take on what you, uh, how you define um, constitutional foreign policy. I don't know anything in, in, about. In it. relationship to what we were talking about with the, you know, the wars, the wars, and you know, the Russian situation and Syria and what, what have you. I'd be interested in what, how the Constitution plays into this, and, and well, you know, well, what well, role it may play. That's something that I have not, I, I won't speak on, the only thing I'm studying, I let everybody else concentrate on them. One person, at least one, has got to take, stay totally focused on our country, and New Gingrich assigned me that duty 20 years ago. I went to Thomas M. Cooley Law School to study immigration, free speech, and the Constitution. He didn't say do foreign wars, but I don't know nothing about it. All I can tell you is America in the same shape. They're just so ignorant. Ignorance is bliss. If they knew, if they knew what I know, shoot, you'd be out on the street now fighting. Every day I go out on the street, I got to fight. Because what do I see? I see my American people hungry on the street and all the immigrants sallying up there in, in the grocery stores buying these big expensive sandwiches and I got to go in there mm-hmm. and buy two or three sandwiches mm-hmm. for, for my American citizens. Oh, I, and I understand. I, I, see, I remember I'll be college. I'm eating my bologna and bread while I'm in college and then I'm seeing these folks uh, in line, a, a cart full of food, and then they pull up their Ohio discount card. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. How's this person who's on welfare not working where I'm going to school full-time, working full-time, and I'm eating, they're eating better than I am. But let's go ahead, and perhaps we'll bring it uh, over to that as well, but let's go ahead, and uh, Susan, as we but said, you got to pick a name. You hear what I said about the NRA. Christina, we got to move yep, on. Christina, we got to move on. We'll bring it. Bring some things back, and so um, <clears throat> Susan, we go ahead and uh, let you uh, you know pick the next topic here. Uh, we still haven't talked about the she's uh, the NSA. I know she was talking about the NRA, and they talked about it. That we've got the NSA. We've got uh, some clips about uh, more about Libya and Benghazi. Uh, we've got affirmative action. Uh, we've got the outsiders, um, and then we also have Sanders and Hillary on uh, some of their comments about capitalism. Uh, we've got mandated paid maturity leave. Um, what, what's your thoughts? What's your pick, uh, Susan? We also have uh, <laughs> some, a clip on guns as well. Go ahead. Oh, you know what I want to talk about. You know what I can you talk about. Paul Ryan. <laughs> I don't Ryan want or... him as the next. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's, it's, off, it's, it's, it's a little bit off uh uh, topic of the debate, but we could bring back our audio clips. You go ahead, and then we've got Joe in the line. Uh, we'll be bringing in Joe shortly uh, as well. Go ahead, Susan. You know, go ahead, he t- voted for talking about the, the guns and all that. He voted for the Thompson King Amendment last year, which is an anti-gun amendment that would add an additional $19.5 million to pay state turn in more names to the NICS list, which is the federal gun ban list which means you're adding more law-abiding veterans. Yes, that's happened. 
they put them on the list, and senior citizens, and um, he wants to become king of the house because he is trying to get rid of one of his conditions. He's got the ability to remove a future speaker. And he doesn't want that. If you're there, you're pretty much speaker for life, I guess. Uh, he has, oh, my goodness, McCain has endorsed him. Um, uh, Louis Gutierrez, Gutierrez, Democrat from Illinois, is supporting him. Um, John Boehner, of course, is. And Nancy Pelosi wants someone who will uh, do the amnesty thing the way she wants it. Well, guess what? He uh, is. And looks at it the way she does. Uh, how how can you have someone like this? How can you even have people voting for president when they can't even pick a decent speaker of the house? Please inform me <laughs> of that. This man, I called Mike Simpson uh, and my representative here, that idiot, and I said, "Don't you dare call yourself a conservative. Don't you dare. I don't ever want to hear it again. If you vote for that man." So I pounded on him. I, I saw Raul Abador and thing. he has his doubts. I know several others, uh, you know, the Texas uh, guy, uh, Representative uh, Louis Gomart, you know, and, of course, Daniel Webster's running. And um, I'll, 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 anybody, anybody, uh, just me, anybody, I'm not that man. I can't even believe the Republican Party picked him to go with Romney. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You allowed this? Are you kidding me? And, and he was a loser then. Obviously, he didn't even help Romney. Not that I would have wanted <laughs> no, Romney at all. now. But, but that's not the point. He didn't do any good. So, you know. So, you got to make your calls. you got to get rid of this bozo. Don't let him in there. That yeah, I'm, I agree. Right. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised to see, uh, you know, to see that with him, with Paul Ryan, because one of the Republicans have a bad uh, case of is it's his or her her turnism. You know, I think the Democrats are starting to come uh, up with that too with Hillary. But it seems like, oh well, you know, I mean, look at the presidential candidates that got not <clears throat> quote unquote nominated. Uh, it seemed like it was, you know, well Romney because it's his turn because of McCain, and then oh well McCain got the be it because of, you know, Bush beat him out. Now it looks like Paul Ryan, since he couldn't be the uh, vice president, I guess they're trying to get him to be Speaker of the House. At least that's what it seems that's, that's like. What it seems like to his. Like, oh, well, it's uh, his turnism. And what, regardless of whether they're really qualified or not, let's, let's go ahead and give this person, you know, let's pay them back their dues. Well, all you have to say is when you have the kind of company that the people that are endorsing him, from this, this radical Right, Democrat. I know. What did I tell you something if, they, if the likes of them endorse them? The red flag should be thrown up. It should be a warning sign. So the Freedom Caucus, I know that is it was voting tonight. I don't know what time. And hopefully they're not stupid enough to go along with this. Because anybody, I, I, what I put on my in my group, I said, you, you go along with this. You're toast. Literally, whoever votes in favor of him should be voted out of office. I don't care. They found found, uh, Susan. They found an old. um, They found an old. um, um, It was not that old. It just goes back maybe about a year. uh, A meeting between uh, 
between Paul Ryan and uh, Luis Gutierrez, uh, where they were having some kind of a town hall meeting or some some place where where it was kind of like they 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 figured they were you know in a safe place that they you know that it wouldn't get spread out through the media and what have you, and uh, and uh, they were talking about and Paul Ryan basically says you know what um, says uh, Democrats and Republicans we really we um we may have different ways of going about things but we we really mostly agree on things which which was to me was kind of like you know like one of those aha moments where where it's kind of like the confirmation of of what you suspect about about the democrat and the republican party at least the leadership level that they are they're kind of like the sunnis and the shiites they they fight among themselves, you know, for territory. But if if it came down to it between between them and the um, the kafir, the kafir would always be the enemy. The enemy of of the uh, of the Democrats and the Republicans is always the taxpayer, the citizen. You know, and so I, that was just, to me that was very revealing uh, exchange between those two, which underlines wow. I think a lot what you're saying. I and we, and we did that. have Joe on the line. It looks like, uh, yeah, we did have Joe on the line. It looks like uh, we lost Joe. I, I know when we were doing some call screening, uh, you know, we didn't want to wait too long to get in. Uh, of course, uh, the good things come to those who wait. But um, <laughs> so, you know, fortunately, <laughs> we like to hear from Joe. Uh, we he's called in uh, a couple other times into the show, and it's uh, always good to have him on. But you know, sometimes we, you know, I got to give folks a, a chance to talk. Oh, it looks like we lost Christine, too. I don't know what's going on. They were just dropping callers here. Her phone might have died because I know she, she uses it a lot. So perhaps we'll get her uh, back in. But actually, folks who are listening, uh, if uh, things drop in the next half hour, we won't be able to get back in. Um, it's already uh, the, the bottom of uh, the second hour in which uh, we'll be going into the extended period in about 35 minutes, in which if you're not called in at 347-945-7428, uh, then unfortunately we won't be able to get into uh, the show and be a part of the extended period. Uh, but, of course, uh, you would be able to listen to uh, the archive of the show. And so, well, if they hopefully they call back in. If not, it's just uh, us. And so, but let's go ahead. And uh, since we, we brought up and talked about, and I think uh, you also want to hear about this, Richard, I was about with their comments about NSA and Edward Snowden. For each of you, starting with uh, with Governor Chafee, name the one thing, the one way that your administration would not be a third term of President Obama. Well, wait a minute. Okay, I must have mismarked that. <laughs> well, when you had all, I mean, oh, no all these clips, I guess I guess that can happen. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and replay that. Let's let's go ahead and and play it. Maybe I can find the. Uh, uh, that clip. If not, we'll move on to something else. But let's go ahead and hear that. For each of you, starting with uh, with Governor Chafee, name the one thing, the one way that your administration would not be a third term of President Obama. Certainly, ending the wars. Uh, we've got to stop these wars. We have it. We have to have a new dynamic, a new paradigm. Uh, we're just spent half a billion dollars arming and training soldiers, the, the rebel soldiers in Syria. They quickly joined the other side. President Obama's we general right now the, is suggesting keeping troops in Afghanistan a, after the time he wanted them pulled out. Would you yeah, keep like them there? I'd like to finish my question, my, my answer. Uh, and also we just bombed a hospital 
We've uh, had drone strikes that uh, hit civilian weddings. So I would change how we, our approach to the Middle East. We need a new paradigm in the Middle East. Governor O'Malley, how would you be different than President Obama's administration? I would follow through on the promise that the American people thought we made as Democratic Party to protect the Main Street economy from recklessness on Wall Street. I would push to separate out these too-big-to-jail, too-big-to-fail banks and, and, in, and put in place Glass-Steagall, a modern Glass-Steagall, that creates a firewall so that this wreckage of our economy can never happen again. Secretary Clinton, how would you not be a third term of President Obama? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I, I think being the first woman president would be quite a change from the presidents we've had up until this point, including uh, President Obama. Is there a policy difference? Well, there is a lot that I uh, would like to do to build on the successes of President Obama but also, as I'm laying out, to go beyond. And that's in my economic plans, how I would deal with the prescription drug companies, how I would deal with college, how I would deal with a full range of issues that I've been talking about throughout this campaign to go further. Senator Sanders? I have a lot of respect for President Obama. I have worked with him time and time again on many, many issues. But here's where I do disagree. I believe that the power of corporate America the power of Wall Street, the power of the drug companies, the power of the corporate media is so great that the only way we really transform America and do the things that the middle class and working class desperately need is through a political revolution when millions of people begin to come together and stand up and say our government is going to work for all of us, not just a handful of billionaires. Senator Webb, how would he not be a third term for Obama? I got a great deal of admiration and affection for Senator Sanders, but I, I, Bernie, I don't think the revolution is going to come, and I don't think the Congress is going to pay for a lot of this stuff. And if there would be a major difference between my administration and the Obama administration, it would be in the use of executive authority. I came up as a committee counsel in the Congress, used to put dozens of bills through the House floor every year as a committee counsel in the Veterans Committee. I have a a very strong feeling about how our federal system works and how we need to lead and energize the congressional process instead of allowing these divisions to continue to paralyze what we're doing. So I would lead working with both parties in the Congress and working through them in the traditional way that our Constitution Senator Sanders, he cited you. You don't hear a lot of Democratic presidential candidates talking about revolution. What do you mean? What I mean is that we need to have one of the larger voter turnouts in the world, not one of the lowest. We need to raise public consciousness. We need the American people to know what's going on in Washington in a way that today they do not know. And when people come together in a way that does not exist now and are prepared to take on the big money interests, then we can bring the kind of change we need. Anderson, I actually have talked about a revolution. What we need is a green energy revolution. We need to move America to a 100% clean electric grid by 2050 and and create 5 million jobs along the way. And we're going to talk more about climate change and environmental issues coming up. Some of the uh, the candidates uh, have tried marijuana, as have... Anyway, those actually, in, in, in that clip there, in that clip there, those actually a lot that I liked. And let me uh, clarify on that. One is, um, of course, you know, talk about environmental issues as environmentalists, but that'll be something we can talk about later. Uh, but one, 
is I do agree, but I think that it would be a detriment to the Democrat Party and, and frankly, probably a lot of Republicans, too, with what Bernie Sanders says is that the people don't a lot of people don't know what's going on in Washington. Well, yes. And if they did, it's not going to help out the Democrat Party if they do. Um, so that part. So I, and, but I do agree that we do need uh, to raise the uh, American people's consciousness of what's going on and what the government is doing. And we're going to get uh, Kelly's uh, thoughts on this uh, when I'm done. And, you know, so, you know, you know, kind of like that. And I, I tell you what, I think it was those comments that, uh, that caused Webb to uh, have to drop out of the race. And this is what I mean by that. One, he mentioned the Constitution. If you're a Democrat, oh, my God, I don't think you can mention the Constitution. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, but I, I really do. I think that after that, the Democrats are coming up to him and saying, look, you're not going to win the presidency. It's going to be Hillary. And if you want money for your campaign the next time you run, you are going to get out of this campaign because you cannot be sitting in front of the American people, the Democrat base, and say the things that you're saying. I mean, I mean, this was what you know what what Webb was saying about you know bringing in the Constitution, get rid of executive power, and these people are like, wait a minute, we want that power. And yeah, he's peeping so the I, parade. I, really, I think yeah. I think that's what caused you know is the cause of him those very uh, those very comments. On that, and there was uh, there was one more uh, point I wanted to make, but I can't remember what that was. So here's how we're going to do: we're going to go ahead and bring it back in, Kelly, and then uh, we'll bring it over to uh, you, Richard, the new season, and bring uh, we've got Christina back on, so we'll be uh, bringing her back in. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, these Democrats are very frustrated that the Constitution gets in the way of their power. Well, that's what's supposed to happen. Even the Republicans have to get out of line. Yeah, the Constitution's getting in your way. That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. And that's what makes it free. And then you got the difference between Hillary and Obubu. Um, she's prettier than him. The obvious, she's a woman, so to me, she's a lot more prettier than Obama. I don't say much. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can agree with that, Kelly. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the inside secret. You know uh, Gollum on uh, Lord of the Rings? Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's the same makeover artist. Oh, it is me pretty. The yeah, the same makeover artist that uh, helps Hillary is Gollum. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on something. I'm listening. <laughs> oh, man. So what do you think of that? Yeah, and, then, and, and Hillary, besides her being a woman, it sounds like her – put it on a serious note. <clears throat> is it sounds like that her being a, a female president is frankly the only difference that it would be between her and, a, and being a third term for President uh, Obama. That's what it sounded like to me. <clears throat> Not only does she want to duplicate what he's doing or – uh, enhance what he's doing, but then they had her uh, socialism as well. Well, yeah, she wants to go over and above uh, <laughs> Obama. I, I think Hillary Clinton would 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 uh, be Obama's uh, imperial presidency on steroids, because this is just the kind of inclination this woman has. She's very she very strongly leans in the direction of dictatorial power. 
you know, and and, and uh, you know, I've made the comment that you you watch her, you know, in these these not debates; these are a joke. But anywhere she anywhere she gets up and you know and, and reads a uh, or recites a memorized statement that she's been fed by her campaign handlers, um, and you know, you you watch her and you see. A person that is just so obsessed with one thing, and that's taking that next step up, which for her is is into the presidency, and it all comes across kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen this person, and this is going to sound sexist, but anyway, it, it could it could apply to a guy too, but it's it's the it's the archetypal um, girl running for student class president, and it's this desperation that is so strong that it's almost like a person who splashed a a real uh, obnoxious fragrance all over their body it just it it reeks out at you it's like please please elect me i i need to be president <laughs> and it's it's just i mean the, the desperation is just so so thick you could you could you could put it on bread and you know and be the best selling sandwich you know spread for a few days until people got uh, sick of it, you know, and kind of threw up all over the place. Uh, yeah, it's it's too much, and you know, and, and she's basically making the argument that that women are entitled to be president rather than qualified. It's not based on merit; it's just based on well, like you said, uh, Robert. Uh, it's it's you know, it's it's the next thing now is the woman. It's the woman's turn, but the right kind of woman, not the wrong kind of woman. It's got to be a Democrat woman. It's got to be a progressive, or it's got to be. In her case, it's just basically. I don't really even consider her a progressive or a populist or anything like that. She's she's an elitist. She's an errand girl for the for the Wall Street mm-hmm. uh, Washington axis. That's really all she really is at, at her very core. She's just very skilled. She's very skilled at 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 trotting out the, the typical. That whole debate thing, all that was was just your typical Democrat optics, and the only guy that was sounding the, some sour notes was Jim Webb, and of course, like you said, he had he had to go, had to go, because mm-hmm. he just didn't fit, didn't fit the template, and you know, right. and Democrat voters get sucked in all, by all this, and and we were, and I shouldn't say we. Uh, I basically am an independent, but I'm, I've been too lazy to bother, you know, re-registering as an independent. But, uh, or you know, uh, I should say I'm registered as a Republican, and I haven't gone through the trouble to re-register as an independent. But Republicans, Republicans fall victim to the victim to to a certain, you know, uh, uh, you know, litany of optics as well. So it's you know, it's on, it's on both sides. But but yeah, that was what you know. That was that was the whole deal there with um, with uh, Hillary Clinton is that she's she's basically she's just going to take she's going to take the kind of um, you know uh, hyperactive abuses of of the office of presidency and she's going to just ramp them up uh, uh, several notches. So be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean, excuse me, I'm so sorry, folks. I should have muted the mic. That just came from nowhere. Um, no worries. But yeah, when she's uh, yeah, she, I, I think she's going to get the nomination. I, mean, I think I've even been saying that since last year. I don't. I really I, now that Biden, well, Biden wouldn't have had a chance against her either. I think that's why he's not run. He's not running. I think uh, you know all these folks are just there to 
you know, fill space, I hate to say it. Uh, I think that actually, you know, the person to have been very afraid of, and let me um, elaborate on this, would have been Webb. Because I think he he would have maybe had a better chance of winning a general election than Hillary. Now it depends on who the Republicans put up against her. And let's say it is Donald Trump. Uh, I do have my concerns with it being Donald Trump. Uh, just for the very fact that I don't know if he'd be able to blast her uh, because of his, uh, his ties that he's had with her in the past, the way that yeah. it's going to need to be done in order to defeat her. And I'm also concerned about uh, Ben Carson. Now, my only concern with Ben Carson at this point is that how much he's going to be lambasted for his lack of political experience. And I think that they're really going to try to drive that home and say how terrible it would be for America to do that. Now, of course, he could probably come back and, you know, mention, you know, how our <clears throat> founding fathers, things of that nature, were not career politicians, and that's what we, you know, need today for America. Perhaps that would be a good counter uh, point uh, if he was to actually get the nominee or nomination. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll, we'll have to see on, on that. But So, anyway, so let me go ahead and uh, move it over to you, Sam, um, as I said. And then uh, we got uh, Christine. I want to bring her back in. And then since we brought up uh, Wall Street and bailouts, uh, I do have a clip on that, and we'll play that after we hear from uh, Christine. But first, uh, let's go ahead and bring it over uh, to you, Susan, and then it's Christine, and then we'll bring Kelly in, and then we'll go ahead and uh, play that uh, bailouts and Wall Street clip. Go ahead, Susan. All right. Well, uh, Jim Webb may consider an independent bid, so that's the good news. Uh, for some of us who don't know if we support either of the major parties, depending on who is, you know, part of it. Um, he's mm-hmm. with both of the parties for being pulled extreme. And, by the by, he was a one-time member of President Ronald Reagan's administration. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, I did not. The Secretary of the Navy, uh, right? I, you know, right. I think that's what it was. Rigged in terms of who was going to get time on the floor. He's disillusioned. Um, so he just said it will depend on how much money he raises. And he won't say whether he still considers himself a Democrat. But the interesting thing was it had to do with, uh, I'm trying to find it here, the Iraq War. And that's when he became a Democrat. Um that, that's rather interesting. So um, he wasn't obviously one before that. Uh, I found I found out all, yeah, a decorated veteran of the Vietnam War, and he promoted criminal justice reform, overhaul of the campaign finance system, has been critical of the Obama administration's foreign policy. He has urged Democrats to appeal to working-class Americans and white voters in the South South, who have left the Democrat Party in recent elections, and yes, it says here he was a Navy Secretary under uh, Reagan, and he was an author who became a Democrat in response to the Iraq War, which he opposed. So that he sounds like a pretty decent guy, all in all, all in all. Excuse me. So you know, I just wondered if he knew that. I mean, I'll be interesting if he does the independent run. I think it would be, yeah, very interesting. If he gets so think of Tunley the Rice as his running mate. Now, now there's there's who I thought would you know may have made a good uh, you know first female president is Tunley the Rice. What do you what do you think? Uh, 
What do you think, Christine? What do you think about uh, Connolly's rights presidency? I, I can't think about anything right now, but Donald Trump, <laughs> he's the only one that has knowledge me as a person. He sent me a beautiful three-paragraph letter, and it was not a campaign. Every paragraph talked about all the things that I've been sending him and how much they, they appreciate it and how they consider everything I send them. So right now, and then another reason I really like Donald Trump is he's a really a people person. People don't understand him because you don't understand his words. When he said he wanted to stop inversion, inversion means when American companies take their jobs overseas, he says not there, and he's going to try to find a way to fix it. And I'm showing him how to do it right now. You've got to stop giving billions of dollars away to millions of people and messing with the bottom lines. That's the only way we're going to get Ford, GM, and Christ and all these people back here. As long as you have no bottom line for what you're going to pay out in taxes, because thousands of people a day come and start on your welfare, then you can't can't expect to do that. But let's get back to what you just said about uh, something about the Democrats having Ameri- American people have a Democrat base. That's simply not true. Obama won because three million Republicans did not vote, as was reported by the Wall Street Journal and the U.S. Census. The census said for the first time in American history, more blacks voted than white people. And the reason the whites didn't vote, the Republicans didn't vote, was because of Romney's weak stand on immigration. I told him, but see, they don't want to be listening to me when I tell them. You see, the reason that the the vote for Obama was so strong is because of the Haitians, Jamaicans, Mexicans, Hispanics. See, I'm an election official in Florida. I've seen it all. None of those people are really allowed to vote under the Constitution. They are in because their citizenship is not constitutional. And, you know, I've sent all this stuff to Republicans in the New Gangs report. They, they can do it right now. All they got to do is go back to being the naturalized committee. They're supposed to have the Homeland Security, the naturalized department, supposed to be raiding all of these profiteer immigration and citizenship. All They sell citizenship for $299. That's not legal. So I stood there as an election official and watched thousands of people come in there with absolutely not qualified constitutionally. And then the, the site manager, they didn't even sign the proper papers that they should have signed to have the workers of the the Broward Secretary of the Election Office help them. So that's why the Democrats are, are have... If it wasn't for that, they wouldn't have nobody. Y'all got to understand, there are more Republicans in the United States to vote this legally and constitutionally can vote than any type of Democrat. But, you know, no one stops to do this stuff because I'm the only one who's done this constitutional study, like Newt Gingrich said. And so the, the reason for all of this, this is what the occupation was originally started for. And then when Reagan came in, it was in the newspaper. The doggone press was saying that the Democrats don't do something with Reagan, the Reagan Democrats, that they would never be able to win another presidential election. Oh, they stepped it up. The next thing we know, they was coming to thousands a day and just, just getting all kinds of entitlements. And America was raising sand, but we couldn't do anything about it because the Supreme Court kept it on the rise. And the next thing we know, they were getting citizenship. And everybody in America at that time, they still knew 
that you couldn't do citizenship like that, but they got away with it. Republicans know now, and they done told me, well, we ain't going to do it. I said, you mean to tell me you're going to take a chance on balkanizing when all you got to do is just you ain't got to put them out the country, just send them back to the state and revoke their, their citizenship. About 40 million will be voted. You think they're going to do that? No. Berg got it. Sessions got it. Trey got it. All the top Congress people know Christine Tebbett. They've been knowing me for 20-some-odd years. They said, Christine, we ain't going to do it. I said, but this is a new Gingrich study. This is not really my mouth. This is what Newt say y'all need to do to win. Well, we ain't going to win. We, we don't want to win. They told me they don't want to be constitutional. I'm telling you, I got truth. They told me they don't want to be constitutional leaders under Article 4, Section 4, Clause 1 that says the United States has to guarantee the East State a Republican form of government. The only way you can do that, every law that you do got to be in the Constitution, and you have to nullify everything that's not there. They say we don't feel like doing it. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I've been doing Christine. this now. Christine, you, 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 just, they said that. They, they actually said it. More than Christine, more than one go ahead, Richard, and, us, and then let's bring Kelly in. No, I just, wanted, I just wanted to comment on Christine. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, you know, first of all, Christine, you need to – Need to take a breath every now and then. You can hyperventilate oh, yeah, no, by doing that. You know, <laughs> well, you get you high. You'll get happened. high, and it'll reinforce the whole I the whole know, habit. I know. Uh, yeah. I but know, but here's I the deal. But here's the deal. I, I, you know, the three million missing uh, was it was it white voters? Did you say or Republican? No, voters? no, no. I meant Republican voters. I'm sorry. Okay, Republican. No, 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 no. That's okay. That's okay. Because the fact of the matter is that most of the the missing the three million. If it was three million. You know the the figure I've seen different figures, but let's let's just say it was three million. I can tell you where the vast majority of the three million uh, Republican slash white voters uh, where they were on voting day and why they didn't show up. Okay, the main reason they didn't show up. This is a this is a kind of a nasty little thing about our country. They didn't show up because. Because not not because Mitt Romney was too weak on immigration. As a matter of fact, if you've ever read, uh, if you've ever heard Ann Coulter talking about Mitt Romney, she she, she recites all of his. So she know what she's she, talking about. Well, okay, I'm not. Let's let's just hold off on that a minute. Okay, hold on. Go ahead, Richard. One at a time, huh? Christine, you know that. Go ahead. I was telling Christine one at a time. We know that. That's our yeah, lawyer. Yeah. Go ahead, well, Christine. Well, you know, but she she recites the uh, Mitt, Mitt Romney's rhetoric on it. You know, I have to admit, was was reasonably decent, and I've been a real, I've you know, I've been an immigration hawk for a long time, and I'm you know, and that's one of my my huge, huge, huge issues. Okay, so when I went, so I went in to vote, I you know, I kind of I held my nose, and because I thought, here's what our choice is: we've got either we've got Romney as a first term president, which you can sort of you can manage a guy like that because he doesn't really have a political soul, or you have a second term of Obama, which you cannot manage; no one can manage. Probably the Democrats can't even manage it. Uh, this guy's going to do. He's going to be, you know, uh, he's really going to. His imperial president really is going to is going to come out. He's going to get his groove on that uh, in a in a big way. So I held my nose and I and I voted for Mitt Romney only, only, only because I think the guy basically, in a lot of ways, as a human being, is a decent human being. That was really. I know he's not a conservative, okay, but the reason the reason. That most of those three million, let's say, if the three million voters didn't show up, Christine, is because Mitt Romney was a Mormon. 
Oh. Okay. okay. I'm back. not a Mormon. I'm not a Mormon. I don't subscribe to it. I don't, you know, um, do. you know, I'm not into it. But here's the deal. Okay. Here's the deal. Be that as it may, that that he was a Mormon. A Mitt Romney was not going to be bringing in his his Mormonism in into the into the White House as far as as far as politics were going. This was just a lot of people, and and believe me, trust me. I've heard this this back channel. I've got it from you know from uh, fourteen different directions that it was the evangelical Christian voters who just were horrified, horrified at the idea of putting a Mormon in the White House, and they just decided they made up their minds that day they were going to sit on their hands, and that's what they did. Okay, well, but you didn't hear what I just told you. I did. I heard what you just told me. I heard you. Yeah, I did. I heard you. So that 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 kind of they they weigh each other out. Forty million Democrat voters can't vote; they're not citizens. And you can't. Oh, I don't. Immigration. I don't disagree. I don't disagree it's with not that. Not immigration. This is an occupation. You I say, yes, I understand. It is. I agree with you. No, no one. No one is disagreeing with you on that. No one is disagreeing with you on that. We all yeah. agree with you on that. Oh, you, know, well, I mean, you don't have to convince I, I, us. I, I this want is the Republicans to throw them out. out, out to, they ain't supposed to be voting in 2016. We shouldn't be having all these problems. They're not supposed to vote in 2016. Of course not. Of, of course not. Of course and not. Everyone agrees with you. Don't let it happen. The stupid Republicans oh. say, so what? If we go down, we'll just go down. That's what they said. Well, that's true as well. That's true. And let's well. go. Let, let's go ahead and, 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 and Christine. Let's go ahead and bring uh, Kelly back into uh, yeah, yeah, uh, our conversation. Uh, play that uh, audio about the, the that they talked about the bailouts in Wall Street. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let me tell you some interesting local news here <laughs> about the state of Jefferson. There are 11 counties in Northern California. I learned this last night at the Tea Party. The head of this is Mark Berry, which we got to get on the show. Um, Eleven counties have sent a declaration to the state of California saying, look, we want out. We're done. That's 11 counties. We are bigger than uh, probably most of the eastern states with 11 uh, counties. And uh, we'll at least get more representation where we get each county would have one state house assemblyman, one state house uh, senator in both houses, and that would that was a huge shift in the politics of California. We'd go more conservative because obviously the rural counties have less population, and, and right now very little representation. So we get a lot. That's more when you would see martial law declared in California. <laughs> well, we Governor would Brown would have. Well, well, Governor Brown, he said, you know what? You don't like California, you can just leave. And what? one uh, local city, yeah, one local, uh, one local, uh, he's the mayor now of a local city, he said, you know, you're right. We will leave, and we'll take our take state with us. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, obviously, a Democratic-run state is making a lot of people poor and unhappy. Yeah, it'd, it'd give it'd give people a place to go, wouldn't it? That 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 don't oh. that don't go in for all this other this other uh, 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 blue state 
BS. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'd also, if, if we became a state, there is a constitutional procedure. The legislature of the House, I'm sorry, the legislature of that state approves it, then you go to Congress, they approve it, it's done. You don't have to have the president's signature. And so um, we would have our own state. And, of course, there would be a much better constitution written because while we're all very much uh, common sense and we love our guns and, um, you know, even a country western song I would like to make this as a theme song. Our houses are protected by the good Lord and a gun. You might meet them both if you show up here and are welcome, son. That's, uh, anyway, it's a cool song, country western song. Anyway, but yeah, we would have a chance to write a new constitution that would hopefully take the best of the best and uh, make things a lot better for us. Hey, Kelly, can I ask you a question? Do you, do you think that uh, there's enough votes in the uh, California legislature to, to, uh, for something like that to go through at this, at this, at this juncture? Um, it's, it's starting to pick up a little bit. They're starting to see, some of them are realizing that we are a big burden on the southern, the, the central part of the state, the southern part of the state. But there's another important factor of how uh, Maine, the state of Maine came about. The state of Maine came about because, um, well, they were part of Massachusetts at one time. This actually happened. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. And so, yeah, the Maine folk were saying, hey, 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 we don't have any representatives in the state house in Massachusetts. Hey, Whoa, wow, sorry about that, guys. So, yeah, send your guys down. So they sent them down, and the guys that were in Maine, it wasn't Maine at the time, it was Massachusetts, but the people from Maine were, were hobnobbing with other reps and said, hey, how about we just become our own state? And they said, okay. So um, there's 11 counties already on board. There is um, several more under consideration, uh, about three counties where the people are so upset with their supervisors, they're furiously working to get them voted out of office. I'd love so, to see it. I'd love to see it. Oh, we, we would have people flocking from all, just like Texas. Texas, oh, yeah. my sister, Austin, there's like 170 people a day that moved into Austin. Texas no is kidding, really? Yeah. yeah right, I'm not surprised about that. That's amazing, though. Yeah, yeah 170 people a day are just flooding into Austin because Texas' economy is doing so well because they got a lot more common sense. Um, I saw, I read somewhere that there was a net exodus, and this is this is as you know of the statistics as recent of uh, as 2014 because what they use is they use IRS they compile data from the IRS tax returns that there was a net exodus uh, from California. Um, in the last, uh, think that they this was over maybe five years. I'm, I'm just, if, if I remember correctly, that there was a net exodus about 1.8 uh, million people m- more left than than came in. Oh yeah, so, well they, you know, yeah, some graphics students, students or whoever you call these people that study demographics. Um, this is like in 2010. Oh, yeah, by 2020, California population is going to double. Yeah, so it's like 36 million. We're going to down to probably 30. Yeah, uh, a lot of businesses are saying, we're done. Goodbye. We're out of here. Um, yeah, there are a lot of businesses leaving. And, and if you if you were to, if somehow or other, by some, some miracle, uh, we were able to get some kind of a uh, Republican, uh, you know, that has any conservative bona fides at all, um, to to push a e 
ver- verify through Congress, and not just not just for new hires, but for for the existing workforce. You would you would see uh, you would see once once they were not eligible uh, for it to continue to be uh, working for their employers, you would see uh, an exodus because. You know, uh, even with all of the welfare and even with all the the uh, government subsidies for illegal aliens, there's still there's still usually there's at least one one uh, individual who is sort of the anchor for the whole thing who's able to send remittances back to Mexico. You know, at the rate of 25 billion a year. So yeah, uh, that would kind of that would that would have a that would have a, a you know a dampening effect on on uh, the California situation that the the organic growth of illegal aliens. And and, well, and to go back well, to Christine's thing, if you could deal with the if you could deal with the anchor baby situation, if that could be changed, that would also have a positive effect as well. Well, if they made it federal law, you know, California would make it worse and just love all the illegals because the Democrats can't get vote elected any other way. Sure, sanctuary <laughs> state, of course. Of yeah, course. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, yeah, it's of course. And there's a lot of uh, border patrol stating uh, OTMs other than Mexicans, ninety percent are other than Mexicans. You got Central Americas, and you got the Guatemalans, and you da 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 da. And you got your occasional jihadists that come through that, you know, they're glad to be in service down the road for a while. But you know, that's another story. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's really interesting. This this whole California land of fruits and nuts. Um, you know, about a third of the nation's uh, food, in the sense of you know, fruits and nuts, comes from California. Um, where I live, uh, they call it the Emerald Triangle. About 60% of the marijuana comes from uh, this area for the whole nation. <laughs> we can legalize well, you know, when you that. bring that up, that's interesting that you bring bring that particular thing up because, because in in my opinion, I think this is one of the things I, I lean. I kind of lean a little bit a libertarian. I lean a little in that direction. I don't swallow the whole thing. Not a purist libertarian of any any stretch. Sort of conservatarian. I think actually that um, that they ought to legalize uh, the the marijuana growers up in Humboldt County and let let them grow and let themselves up because because uh, you, the best way to to decimate um, what is about sixty percent of the of the Mexican uh, narco uh, traffickers' profits would be to basically have competition in this country and drive them out of business so that people could actually you know get what they're going to get legally. Instead of mm-hmm. instead of you know having to be in a criminal status, um, you know to have what their equivalent is you know of you and me our glass of wine or our glass of beer that's you know their joint is the version of that. I'm not into it myself, but I'm also not into making decisions for other um, capable adults. You know that, that can well, make up their own mind what they want or don't. Yeah, or the um, there's all sorts of um, avenues to approach marijuana. You know, there's rec- recreational medical. AMA came out that it uh, actually is helpful in curing certain types of cancers. Sure. Um, and California is actually in the process of legalizing it. And what's happening is um, they are here too in Ohio. Okay. Are you going to smoke on you, Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the phone. Anyway, um, but yeah, but, but what the insiders are telling me, those who are the medical growers, mm-hmm. um, what's going on is um, the state was lobbied by big business to uh, 
to uh, legalize it so that they can get their market, they can get the market share. Yeah, but anyway, that that's what's going on. Well, you know, yeah, because then, then politicians want to tax it too. I'm I'm sort of against that because I mean uh, maybe not completely, but for the most part, it's just one more thing that the that the that the the governments are going to collect all this money and they're going to you know and they're going to shoot and they're going to do more spending and shoot all this money down the rat hole and and it's just basically just going to make government grow larger. I'd rather see it if it's taxed at all very minimally. Because it just uh, grows the power of government. Oh, yeah. Well, Colorado has a government surplus from this. And then they have all sorts of other problems. That's the other aspect is when marijuana takes, I don't do marijuana, but marijuana takes a lot of motivation away from people. And they sit around and they want social services. I I want people to be registered to use it simply because in 10 years when their life has gone to crap and they've, use other drugs and marijuana and whatever, don't come back to the state and ask for money to take care of you because you were partying and have a good time instead of being productive. So it's really, there's so many sides to this, but I agree. The criminal you have element those people now, though. You have those people now. They're just buying it illegally. But, you know, here's here's what's going to happen when, you know, when, when let's say, Cal, let's take California example. So you legalize in California. What's going to happen is, you know, all the people who are, the, all of the folks that are curious, oh, geez, I'm curious about that pot, but I'm afraid to, I don't really want to buy it because it's like, it's it's illegal, and I just feel funny doing something illegal, but once it's illegal, they're going to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that out. It's going to be a fad. So you know, a lot of people just Legal try it out, they're going to go, ah, oh, this is crap. Oh, this is a waste of time. There's no point. And it's all going to, it's all going to sink back down to the normal, you know, to, to the regular baseline number of people who, who are oriented that way, and some of them are lazy and unproductive, and some of them are just normal, normal people in every respect, except they like to smoke pot. And, and, and I, you know, this whole slippery slope deal about, oh my God, everybody, everybody's going to get on pot. You know, no, you can't do it. It's, it's no, it's too scary. No, we can't, we can't give people freedom because they're going to abuse it. Mm-mm, no, no, I don't buy it. Really don't. Well, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Really yeah, there's another aspect of, uh, well, you know, when somebody does and their bedroom is up to them, whether it's smoking pot or doing weird sex things, I don't know. It's, it's their their life. But, exactly. Um, yeah, well, that's a libertarian pr- position. Um, as far as the economy goes, um, hemp, industrial hemp, is stunning. It produces like uh-huh. uh, 400, 400 pounds of seed you can feed. I got a buddy, I just came from his house, we're doing machine work on something, but um, he's got pigeons, he feeds them this marijuana seed, and the female doesn't have any more cannabis in it once it's terminated, and so you can grow independence by growing your own food, you can take, you know, of course, hemp, hemp rope, hemp sales, constitutions written on hemp, blah, 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 um, right. it's produced carbon extremely fast, faster than the forest, you can make plywood out of it that's stronger than regular pine, um, the industrial yep. applications of this plant are absolutely stunning. That's true. Well, see, it makes too much sense. They, they can't, can't, of they can't patent it, so they'll fight it, you know. <laughs> well, they can't patent it, they know. can't make money off it, so they'll fight it. Right. Well, DuPont is <laughs> making nylon rope. You know, they were one of the champions to get rid of uh, industrial hemp. We were back sure. in the farm walking to the kid. I came across a sweet ass and I said, what is this? He goes, oh, that's wacky tobacco. I said, what's that? Marijuana. Mm-hmm. Where, how did mm-hmm. that get this feel? They don't know mm-hmm. 
um, you know, the farm's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the field, so it's nowhere, nowhere. What, what the heck's this plant doing here? Oh, well, it's kind of a volunteer. It came up, uh, it, we see it every now and then. From World War II, during World War II, they were growing, um, instead of corn, they were growing hemp plants for parachutes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a long history of it, but you know, uh, but uh, but once it starts, you know, once somebody's, uh, it's kind of like you know the other the analogy to this whole thing is like, is the war between the sugar sugar and the corn and the corn syrup people, uh, you know, and the subsidies uh, that um, are pertinent uh, to that, and uh, so uh, that's that's what it follow the money, follow, always follow the money, no matter mm-hmm. what you're looking for in in government, just follow the money. And, and you'll find the answer. Well, Paul, the money corporations, yeah, corporations love standards. You ever wonder why government has come so much and so many standards, so many regulations? Because corporations love them. They own them. They do. They understand them. They They've got their consultants. It's a law that if you get sued as a corporation, you have to hire an attorney. So they already got their high-powered people. What they do with laws and regulations, they snuff out their competition. Give you an illustration. Picture a guy climbing. Picture a guy who has had the government help him build a ladder. The government helps him build the ladder. Crony capitalism helps him build the ladder. He climbs up to the top of whatever he you know, whatever the pinnacle of the thing, a monopoly or a uh, uh, government subsidized thing. He gets up there, and then once he gets up there, what he wants to do is he wants to cut all the rungs of the ladder out from underneath him, so no, no one else can climb up the ladder behind him. And that's what that's what these uh, regulations are all about. It's knocking those rungs out of the ladder. It's making it too expensive to get into business for, for someone who wants to, you know, who wants to, um, you know, maybe be a, a, a competitor. Oh no, you can't have competition. Mm-mm, that's not the American way anymore. Oh well, I found out. You know, I'm I'm trying to do uh, gold mining. Gold yeah, mining. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got a lot oh, of it okay. here in Siski. Like, anyway, so I wrote a prospectus, a hundred pages between. Uh, Diagrams, pictures, how much gold in the county, written description, blah blah blah. Right. Well, so you want to do it in a big it. way rather than just go out and gold panning in, in the um, well, uh, we whatever all, that river is up there. Gold. Yeah, we always find gold when we go out there, but you got to move a sure. large amount. Of, you know, it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh-oh, my dutiful must be a good American. Obey the law. Uh, SEC filing. I had to do an SEC filing to really attract the dollars I needed. Okay. Well, then I had to go through an attorney, which she cost three hundred bucks an hour. Sure. Oof. And what's the bill going to be? I don't know. She wouldn't quite answer me, but it could have been ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Oh, plus a patent that you know I got to perfect. I was like, gosh, this is getting ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. So one re- yeah, one re- oh, little guy. You know, we're all going to end up being you know paupers, and that's what they want, but. The other thing that corporations will do is they will pass a law requiring a safety product. Yes, safety limits protect the safety of everybody from their own stupidity. Well, anyway, and they're the only ones that have a patent on the product that complies with the new safety rule. Oh, wait, no, they make millions. I've seen it construction as an engineer. I've seen this. I, I'm just, I'm tired of it. Why? Where's the Sherman Antitrust Act here? Why do we not have the Sherman Antitrust Act being enforced here? This is, this is disgusting. Well, well, you know, because because think, because for one reason, the uh, you know the, the the balance of power of the Constitution. Christine will love this. The, you know, the the balance the balance of power, the balance of of 
you know, b- between the executive, the, the legislative, and the judicial branch has been has been kind of wiped out. So basically, um, the courts are are doing the bidding, and the legislature is doing the bidding of the of the cryptocrats, and that means it's not we the people anymore. It's the people that uh, you know that uh, have the best government the money can buy. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's, you know, and here's another one. I Okay, so, you know, the Republicans are accused of the current capitalism. Well, it just so happens. Uh, I well, gentlemen, let's go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead at this point, gentlemen. Let's uh, bring uh, the ladies back in here. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll bring uh, Susan back in, and then we're going to bring in uh, <clears throat> Christine, and then I'm going to go ahead and play uh, the audio that uh, I've been telling folks uh, we're going to on what the the Democrats during the debate were talking about, uh, the bailouts in Wall Street. Go ahead, Susan. Okay. My governor, Governor Bush Otter, is nothing but a coward. He vetoed a bill that would illegalize cannabis oil to treat children with severe forms of epilepsy. Whatever you think about marijuana, it does help cancer. The oil helps uh, epileptic uh, problems. And um, they just didn't want to, you know, this timid governor who seems to have problems, apparently. Um, a group, in, a mother's chair from Idaho, fought for it. It doesn't make the children high. as medical benefits in helping children with epilepsy to have fewer seizures. One lady said she was going to have to move to Colorado. Some, to some degree, some of them have been threatened that if they use it, if they do things, because they be, become a criminal, actually, in in uh, using this stuff, um, they could be arrested or children could be taken from them. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten. So, like I said, I don't care what you think about the actual smoking of it, but the oil itself is nothing wrong. A point is it's a slippery slope to medical marijuana, which I don't have an issue with. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't drink. I don't do regular cigarettes. I've never done drugs. I don't. I supported the dare officers, including the one that was murdered in New Plymouth. He was an awesome guy, and I think kids should know the dangers of drugs. But it's totally different when you're arresting people for having one plant in their house. Please, that's all they want is people in jail to make money off them. You know, that's kind of ridiculous. But, exactly. Uh, for the for the medical oil, the uh, I I just he he's just a jackass. I, he's a Democrat. He's a he's a, a moron, and I would do, love nothing better than have anybody come and re, to Idaho and run against this man and boot him out of office. So you know, what, one mother said, "Well, do we what, do we become criminals because we want to help our children?" You know, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. What do you, Susan? What do you think about the proposition that you know? And this is a point of view that I actually share. And I agree with what you just said. The the um, the perspective that that someone um, using a substance to enhance their health or to protect them or cure them from diseases it goes beyond the Constitution that it's a natural law right that the government cannot cannot um, uh, it's an inalienable right that, that the government cannot take away from you. Um, well, you know, when it comes to hardcore drugs, I, I think we need education. And I, I think that anybody up to high school age 
should not be buying them and people should not be peddling to them. There comes a point when people have to make choices. And I think if you keep the riffraff out from these other countries, that, they, well, you know, the, the gangs of Mexico that are, are peddling this stuff, if you keep sure. them out, uh, there will be less problems that way. But I definitely am for medical marijuana, for sure. I, I don't have an issue with medical stuff because anything that helps, uh, I mean, if we're going to outlaw marijuana, say, for example, and one person made that point in my group, well, blah, 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 these hippies, are, okay, excuse me, and you guys all drank and had parties at your colleges and got high on beer and wine and keggers and stuff, you think that is any better? Hello, that's being high. hypocrisy at its highest. Oh, well, there's one even higher than that, and, and that's this. Have you ever tried to watch television without uh, the, every other commercial that comes on um, where the where the person is, is telling the senior citizen or, you know, or people that are, you know, that are prone this way, um, ask your doctor, go ask your doctor, ask your doctor, and they're talking about things that, that have side effects that, that uh, include everything all the way up to uh, death. And the, basically this is this is a... This is kind of like the drug merchant on the corner has now gotten into your TV set. I mean, and all of that is perfectly fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But God forbid if someone should decide that, you know, they want to go with a different way of of medicating themselves. Mm-mm, no, sir, can't do that. Don't approve of it. Oh, boy, have you... Get a hot pot with me because I believe only in natural and organic stuff. I use, um, I buy from uh, uh, blood pressure support from Dr. McCullough. It's a natural pill. Mm-hmm. I, I use my green drinks. I use um, magnesium oil for my knees. I go to the chiropractor. Um, I, I have uh, uh, melatonin to help me sleep. I have vitamin D. I have vitamin B12. I'm getting masks so I present flu and all that. Um, I have iodine. Oh, yeah. I, I don't Holistic know. health. No, doctors, Love it. Doctors are a no-no for me. I went through um, with my kids, and I took that blood pressure medication. I was like, ah, you know, I don't like this stuff. So I, I, I didn't even tell them that I wasn't going now because uh, they'd be jumping all over <laughs> me. I get trace concentrate, trace mineral drops. And it's from Utah, from out of the uh, the lake there. And um, I, I, I get, uh, I know I'm promoting Monster Omega-3, so I get my omega three. So, you know, I don't need a doctor. I'm sure that's great for, um, as I said, I believe in them for, like, car accidents and burns. And sure. if I had cancer, I would be crossing the border to Mexico to do Laetrelle, which John Society put those books out on Laetrelle. Uh, years ago, there's other methods. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, like the black salve. I had a tumor and it was cancerous. I was in on my on my side, underneath my breast. Okay, I said it. Yes, you know. Uh, and I used the black salve and it pulled the tumor out. That's what the Indians used to do. But you have a hard time getting hold of that. I happen to get homemade remedies from chiropractors, but you know, you have to buy them in Canada or different things like that. You know. They don't what like it, what is it called? That route. What's it called? Pardon? Black what was salve. that? You had? Black what? Black salve. It's just black salve. S A B or S A V? S A L. So S A L. S A L. 
Okay, got it, got yeah, it, got it. Okay, okay, got it. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to make a note so, of that. That's that's very interesting. And of yeah, course, I you know, mean, of course they'll try to make that. They'll try to outlaw that because pharmaceutical companies aren't making any money on it. Oh no, they're not. Along they're with not. all the rest of it. It's yeah. Ridiculous. Um, I love these natural things, and I, uh, you know, and when it's like with the raw milk. You know, I get raw milk. We, it's still legal here in Idaho, thank God. And uh, in California, I believe, um, is it one of you from California? The, yes. The me. raw milk is illegal to sell. The, the products of arrested people. They, they I believe that's the case, yes. And, yeah, yeah, and put them in jail, so. and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, are the people they put in jail, this is just a, that's a whole other. That's a whole other uh, topic altogether that we could get into. The people that are put in uh, put in jail um, for raw for, milk, you know, yes, exactly. For raw milk, which is basically, you know, what Steve Martin used to say on Saturday Night Live. Excuse me for living, you know. I mean, you go. that's a target. Yeah, you know what you threaten. Now you threaten the government. You threaten their their industrial complexes, and you've got to, you know, and now you're an enemy of the state. Essentially, and what's the thing is you you take uh, uh to help you sleep? You said melatonin. Melatonin, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Well, the reason I the reason I ask is I was you know I just had a doctor appointment a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> and then you know because I'm not the best sleeper, never have been even as a child, and she recommended that I she prescribe me melatonin. I turned her down. Cause I'm not much she likes to take any type of medication or anything like that. Either unless I de- you know, definitely have to, that's probably why I'm it's natural. still sick. Try it. It's natural. It won't hurt you a bit. Yep. Yeah, and that, yep. that's what go down, that's to, what go down to one of these places like, uh, <clears throat> like uh, well, you know, I, I mentioned Whole Foods, but there's other places like that. You know, little grocery stores with all the, with all the organic stuff and all the supplements and and vitamins Trader and Joe's. Uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, Trader Joe's. Oh, there you go. Doctor McCoy, somebody said I get lost. Well, I did some research, and it supposedly that uh, tart cherry juice has uh, has natural melatonin in it. Do you know anything on sure. that? I know it's good for you. I didn't know about the melatonin, but I know that they can't make certain claims because the government made their comments about them. And here's my answer to anything along that line. You touch my raw milk, I'll touch your face. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. You know, someone don't step on my blue suede shoes. Let's go ahead and bring uh, and let's go ahead. And I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. I apologize. Uh, so let's go. <clears throat> let's go ahead and uh, bring uh, bring you back in here, Christina. And then uh, then I'll go ahead and uh, play this audio because I do see uh, we're, we're starting to run out of time, unfortunately. Uh, but you know that's how it goes here on the show. Go ahead, Christine. Well, I'd like to apologize for my rapid speech. You gotta understand, I'm used to destroying you in one minute, and that's you have to do that very, very quickly. Congressman Dick Chrysler, <laughs> and I still have this video. Went to the microphone in D.C. in a one-minute speech and got every welfare reform law. I told him to say in that minute. So, so I'm so you have to forgive me for that. I'm not really used to this, all this beautiful time. So I'll take this one slow. Forrest Gump mom said. Stupid is as stupid does. Republicans save themselves and America, but they refuse to do so. That is why we need we the people again government to bust the big 
government. Thanks to you for letting me know about the evangelical Christians, their, you know, their take on the Mormons and why Mitt wasn't elected. I hadn't thought of that. You know, we really do, do help each other a lot. Now, the, the election, they fixed anyway because of major unconstitutional voters for the Democrats. So, you know, it, it's always a... Uh, 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 also, a the voting machines. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah there was also other factors on as California, well. when the United States stopped giving entitlements to the occupiers who are calling themselves immigrants, who are mm-hmm. really anchor baby mamas, setting up all yep. these anchor baby cities, when they stopped doing that, that will solve this problem nationwide and yep. will stop the surge. You know, right. evangelical Christians should recognize that the anchor baby cities are the same cities that you read about in the Bible when God go talk about the evil at the top, establishing wicked, wicked evil cities. Those cities were made up of mamas who didn't have husbands nine times out of ten. And it was called carrying the price of a dog and throwing your child to the fires of Molech when you bought your children to another government. So, you know, they're kind of like a hypocritical. They would rather put the devil in there and take a chance with him because they're 501c3, you know, and then look at what Obama did. He tried to occupy us with five million more and stood there and told us that he was going to give them our Social Security. Fortunately for you guys, thanks to New Gingrich, I wrote the Constitution cases that helped to block him. Notice Obama hasn't said the word immigrant since. He now used the word refugee. He's scared mm, because mm-hmm. he found out in those cases that he can actually be court-martialed for that. So that's why you don't hear that. And finally, mm. got to understand the balance of powers, not what you think it is. In the Constitution, Congress is really in charge of the federal courts. They can ordain and establish the inferior courts from time to time, and there's no such thing as a lifetime court. Somebody did that unconstitutionally. So technically, the federal courts, is uh, they're unconstitutional anyway, and everything they've done isn't what the court is. Now, so all of their ruling, if they're not in the Constitution, Congress can arrest them, and so can the president. And also Congress and the president, if their rulings are, are unconstitutional, they all can be arrested. And that's why the communist democrat movement took the Constitution from the schools so all of America would not be wise to this. They would not know that they have the power as we the people to arrest Congress and even the president because you don't know that all of these laws exist. They don't realize that these that there are arrest laws or federal official no constitution and nowhere else. I had a yeah. young man well, tell me today, do you remember David Brock? The one who beat the last thing. Yeah, I do. His office today, the young man told me, well, you're just wrong. The president can't uh, arrest Congress. I said, you better start reading the Constitution because you may have two people, actually three people right now running for president. I won't tell you who they are. There are three people who know this. And if any one of those three win, you may see Congress arrest. Yeah, like I got to say, <laughs> Christina, Go ahead, you know, well, I was just going to ask Christina um, um, a question on 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 one on one particular topic, um, and and that is is uh, 
do you 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 seem to think that that if we that if we uh, you know educate people more on the constitution you know and i think that's a good thing don't don't get me wrong i don't think that's mm-hmm. a bad thing at all it's a good thing of course it is i just in my mind i have a question here in terms of where we are at on the timeline of let's say what let's call it the american empire where we are on the timeline of the american empire I um I just uh, started up a new little uh, daily uh thing with uh, you know that I put a few a few news items on things that are a little off the de- you know off the beaten path. But one of the things I noticed the other day this is kind of a commentary on where we are on the timeline and gives you an idea of where people's priorities are and what, why it may, may be very difficult to arrest their attention back to you know the issues that that you're talking about and we're talking about is that um is that uh, the people there were so many people that were trying to get uh the, the tickets for the first day showing of the new Star Wars movie that they broke three e-commerce ticket selling sites they crashed wow. those sites and now uh, these tickets now are being resold on the secondary market for up to ten thousand dollars. Oh, that's ridiculous! Now, now that tells me, Christina, that 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 we are in a phase of the American Empire where where people are are so distracted by bread and circuses that I don't know how you're going to arrest their attention. Uh, back to you know uh, the place is on fire, but they're all distracted from it. Sorry. Yeah, oh, a, I smell some smoke, but but no, there's no fire going on. Well, I smell I the smoke, but but, you, but they but they deny there's a fire. There is you know? no American Empire. We are under occupation. That this is not American Empire. No, if we let this continue for 50 years, it won't even be in America. Look at it the way it is now. You need to travel mm-hmm. to where we live down here. It's, it's foreign supremacy. They laugh at us every day. Y'all, this ain't no American empire. No. Well, it, well, it, it, it was at one point. It was at one point. And I don't mean That's that in a pejorative sense. I, I just say that I just say that if you, you look at all if you look at all the civilizations of the world, you know, going coming from the very beginning. You know, there was the there was the Roman Empire, there was the, the British Empire, there was the Ottoman Empire, there was uh, you know, and then and then America sort of kind of took over the role when the when the British when the the you know the fun, sun finally set on the British Empire, we kind of took over you know all of their operations and their colonial holdings and and so forth, and we took over that and this country. You know, has has been kind of an, a world empire of the sort uh, for you know uh, for uh, nearly 300 years, and um, and I and I see I see some signs of of collapse, and and I think the biggest problem, the biggest sign of collapse is, Christina, mm-hmm. is apathy, apathy and indifference. I mean, you can you can get a hold of these people's ears. It's like you know you can you you can show a horse where the water is, but you you know you can leave them there. You can't make them drink. Well, that is why they took the Constitution away. They don't know that they can stop this stuff. We fifty years behind on the truth. 
I was in but the unless, post office today. I but unless parents take their kids out of government schools, Christina, unless your parents take their kids out of government schools, where are they going to get exposed to all this? Well, didn't you hear what Mitt Donald Trump said we're going to do if we get in there? We're closing the U.S. Department of Education. There's no such thing. They made that up. You see, in the Constitution, you need to listen no, to that. No, it's not the Constitution. It, it, That's it's right. not written. Mm-mm. No, it's not. Well, you know, I wish Donald Trump all the all the luck in the world. Um, but I wonder how much that Congress can. Hold on, hold on, go ahead, Richard. Finish your thought, and then let. No, I was just going to say. I mean, it's just I'm briefly. just trying I, to tell you. You know, a lot. You know, Donald Trump says a lot of things that you yeah, and I, yeah, Christina, I like. He, he says a lot of things that we like. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're okay. We're, we're talking, Christine. Christine, we're talking over each other, and you know I don't like that. Um, oh, he says a lot of things. Yeah, let's go ahead and one person Thank at you. a time. Go ahead, uh, sure. Richard. No, he says says a lot of things that we like to hear. I'll grant you that. He says a lot of things that we like to hear. But looking at the fellow and even giving him the benefit of the doubt, you've got to look at Donald Trump's history, and you've got to make some value judgments here and have some discernment that – what it's always been about Donald Trump is it's always been about that he is, you know, a, uh, a you know, he is uh, addicted to publicity and he is a media whore and he's always promoting himself. And, um, you know, and I hope, I hope he turns over a new leaf. I hope that if he were to become elected that he would actually do even, even 10%, even maybe even 1% of the things he's talking about as long as he doesn't as long as there's not executive overreach and that he doesn't try to, you know, to subvert the Constitution in, in you know, in his attempts to, to do these things. But I don't have a right. lot of confidence in the guy. I don't, sorry, I just don't trust him. I, I'd well, like I to have trusted him. I don't. Well, the only thing I can say to you is right now, Donald Trump is the only man in the country with gold balls. He beyond brass balls. He had the nerve to stand up. Good thing we're in the after dark. the women and children. He's the only one. Ain't no men in the United States. All these women and kids been getting raped by all of these occupiers, and nobody said a word about it. So that's when I first started listening to him. Then when I read his uh, immigration plan, he said how immigration has messed up the black people. He mentioned that we had 70% employment before immigration. Just about everything he says is in the Constitution, and you can't subvert the Constitution because it ain't one right now. That's what we're trying to do is bring it back. He's the only one that on every page of his immigration plan, he say Constitution. He receives two constitutional envelopes from me a week. Eight and a half by eleven by certified mail. When he stood up and told the country about Amendment Fourteen, I wrote that. So I think that Donald Trump, you know, once he learns stuff, he can make more money. I'm going to show Donald Trump how to make even more millions of dollars by doing the Constitution. See, you, the Constitution, everybody's better off except the communists. So since it ain't been there in 50 years, no wonder America's got apathy. They don't know that they can stop this stuff. They don't know that. And when I go around to speak, it don't be the black people. I never can speak for black. I never do speak for them because they definitely will not listen. The only people that listen to me and think there's some hope are the Republicans, 
the Libertarians, the Constitution Party, and the Europeans. They call me all the time, and when I leave there, they be so happy and smiles on their faces. Ms. Timmons, how can we get this done? They, the thing that they're most worried about, Richard, is the U.S. Department of Education's Common Core. But I explained to them, there is no such thing. All we got to do is get the right leadership. If we can't get Congress to do it, a president can, can abolish it. It's right there in the Constitution. It's unconstitutional. If Congress refuses to abolish it, he can do that by anything that's unconstitutional. It can be abolished by executive order. So that's why I'm not so worried. If he says that he wants, uh, he said, uh, uh, he mentioned the the western states there over there, uh, no, the eastern states, Carolina and all those states, he said, I think that they can do a better job of educating their children than we can. And I'd like to see the U.S. Department of Education closed. I'm teaching them how to do that right now. I'm teaching You can't even do, you can't do U.S. Department of Heart either. They can't even do U.S. Department of Labor. They and that's one of the and, doing. and that's one of the things that they were talking about uh, that Newt Gingrich actually talked about getting rid of too was the uh, the Department of Education. So let's go ahead because I want to go ahead and get this uh, audio out because unfortunately we only have about okay. uh, 15 minutes before I have to close things out. Uh, so let's go ahead and get this. Uh, it'll probably end up being our last audio clip tonight. And then we'll uh, get some commentary, bring Susan and Kelly back in here. And then, unfortunately, I'll have to close things out. And, uh, Susan, perhaps we could uh, talk about our possible guest. Still waiting for uh, her to come on. She's going to be, uh, which is a Sam Tittle. She's running as an independent for uh, president. Uh, working on getting her on to the show. Uh, just uh, got to finish some uh, correspondence uh, to get that nailed down. But first, let's go ahead and uh, hear what they're talking about with the bailouts of Wall Street. Sanders. Senator Sanders, in 2008, congressional leaders were told without the 2008 bailout, the U.S. was possibly days away from a complete meltdown. Despite that, you still voted against it. As president, would you stand by your principles if it risked the country's financial stability? Well, I remember that meeting very well. I remember it like it was yesterday. Hank Paulson, Bernanke came in and they said, guys, the economy is going to collapse because Wall Street is going under. It's going to take the economy with them. And you know what I said to Hank Paulson? I said, Hank, your guys, you come from Goldman Sachs, your millionaire and billionaire friends caused this problem. How about your millionaire and billionaire fans paying for the bailout, not working families in this country? So to answer your question, no, I would not have let the economy collapse. But it was wrong to ask the middle class to bail out Wall Street. And by the way, I want Wall Street now to help kids in this country go to college, public colleges and universities. Free with a Wall Street speculation. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but Senator Webb, I want to get you in. You've said neither party has the guts to take on Wall Street. Is the system rigged? There is a reality that I think we all need to recognize with respect to the power of the financial sector. And let me just go back a minute and say that on this TARP program, um, I introduced a piece of legislation calling for a windfall profits tax on the executives of any of these companies that got more than $5 billion, that it was time for them, once they got their, their compensation and their bonus, to split the rest of the money they made with the, the nurses and the truck drivers and the soldiers uh, who bailed them out. Um, with respect to 
the financial sector. I mean, I know that my time's run out, but I mean, I, and speaking of changing positions on the positions on how this debate occurs, kind of frustrating because unless somebody mentions my name, I can't get into the discussion. You agree to the uh, rules, and you're wasting time. So well, if you would finish your right, answer, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to set a mark here, so maybe we can get into a little more later on. This hasn't been equal equal time. Um, but if you want to look at what's happened, if we look at the facts in terms of how we're going to deal with this, since that crash, in the last 10 years, the amount of the world's capital economy that Wall Street manages has gone from 44% to 55%. That means the Wall Street money managers are not risking themselves as the same way the American people are when they're going to get their compensation. They're managing money from all over the world. Thank you. We have to take that into consideration when we're looking at uh, ways to regulate it. Governor Chafee, you've attacked Secretary Clinton for being too close to Wall Street banks. In 1999, you voted for the very bill that made banks bigger. Uh, the glass seagull was my very first vote. I just arrived. My dad had died in office. I was appointed to the office. It was my are very you saying, first vote. Are you saying you didn't know what you were voting for? I just arrived at the Senate. Uh, I think we'd get some takeovers. That was one. It was my very first vote, and it was 95, 90, 92.5. It was the, the well, record. Well, but let me just sir, say, what does that say about you that you're casting a vote for something you weren't really sure about? I think you're being a little rough. I just arrived at the United States Senate. I'd been mayor of my city. My dad had died. I'd been appointed by the governor. It was the first vote, and it was 90 to 5 because it was a conference report. But let me just say about income inequality. We've had a lot of talk over the last few minutes, hours, or tens of minutes, but no one's saying how we're going to fix it. And it all started with the Bush tax cuts that favored the wealthy. So let's go back to the tax code. And 0.6% of Americans are at the top echelon, over 464,000. 0.6 of Americans, that's less than 1%. But they generate 30% of the revenue. Thank you, and Governor. they're doing fine. So there's still a lot more money to be had from this top echelon. I'm saying let's have another tier and put that uh, back into the tax bracket. And that will generate $42 billion. Bring and then down we down. can help. Uh, the middle class and hard-earning Americans, hard-working Americans. Thank you. CNN visited college campuses along with Facebook, and not surprisingly, college affordability was among the most. Okay, now that's actually uh, for a, a different clip. And so, Kelly, do we still have you on there? I heard somebody click off, I think. Well, I know Kelly's uh, still on the line, but... It, he uh, sent me a message yeah, earlier yeah. that he's going through some mountains. So, yeah. Do we still uh, have yeah, you, Kelly? Yeah, I believe Bernie Sanders was the one who said, you know, you billionaires wanting to bail out, wanting to bail yourselves out. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm with him there. And, uh, you know, oh, the economy's going to crash. And, you know, nice little subtle way of. Um, you know, you took it from the American people. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's true. And then he goes into the, uh, you know, disparity of wealth. That's, you know, of course, red flags there. Let's just take some risk and get to the point. Well, folks, what happens when you overtax people, even people that are starting to make two hundred, three hundred thousand 300000 a year? What happens? Well, what happens is people get so frustrated that they lose their incentive to keep going and keep expanding. And when they lose their incentive, they start to uh, not create as many jobs. And so his own logic, if you really think it, he's really hurting the hardworking Americans he's so espousing to protect. Laura Ingalls Wilder, who wrote, um, I believe it was Little House on the Prairie, 
That's right. I think that, yeah, the author? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. She, she kept cranking those books out, and everybody loved them. And, uh, you know, people today still read them. There are a lot of them made a TV series out of Well, she stopped writing books because she didn't want to pay the tax anymore. She thought it was, and this is like, you know, oh, gosh, when was this? Um, 1930s? I can't, I can't remember her life, but, you know, she just commented about, when she moved out west, and then they moved again, and everything, and blah 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 blah. But that's a kind of disincentivizing efforts these massive taxes do. If they want to do it right, they should be Glass Steagall, and they should do the Sherman Antitrust Act, so these billionaires can't become trillionaires um, because they have a monopoly. Which these monopolies—it's not so much the money; it's the control they can have over congressmen. Exactly. That's what they really need to get back to. Absolutely. You know, and, it, and, Susan, it's, and it's real quick. The, let's the, real, the real fact, quick, Rich. Uh, we haven't heard from Susan for sure. We haven't heard from Susan for a bit, so let's uh, try to get a, a Susan a couple minutes, and and then you can come, and then I think we'll end up have to uh, get ready to close things out. Go ahead, Susan. Well, um, about Bernie Sanders, <laughs> you know, we blast him a lot. Uh, but he does have a couple good things. Uh, I mean, he is against the TPP. And if anybody on here is against the TPP, i got to help you. Because you're going to need it. That's true. And he is against the NSA, and he is against the Patriot Act. I give him, I give him kudos there for that. Why he wants to just give freebies away, I, I don't know. Maybe he's one of the few... One of the few, like Rand Paul, that don't have scandals attached to him. He he absolutely doesn't have any scandals. I see pluses in him, and yet, if he just get away from the other, I don't know, maybe he does it because he sincerely believes to give money away and help everyone. I think he really does care. But that doesn't make it right. And it's too bad because if he could come to the other side, he'd be awesome. If we could well, only well, get him. And one thing we didn't, and one thing we didn't play him on the, um, on the audience tonight. I, I don't even uh, think I even have it, but I do remember uh, them talking about it um, in the debate, and I'm sure you uh, recall this as well, Richard, because I know you watched it in its entirety because both of our heads almost exploded. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> is that when they were talking about expanding uh, Social Security, and I did like one of his ideas where he you know, talked about expanding it to have it be um, solvent. Told, I think he said 2060 was by uh, eliminating the cap, and, and I think I like that idea. I, you know, I, I, it's really not costing you know richer folks any more money per se, and that. Um, yeah, they're still going to have to continue to pay for the tax, you know, or, you know, continue to pay for it without having to say, okay, well, there's a, I, I can't remember how much uh, the, the cap is. <laughs> I thought the last time I was like 59000 or something like that, or maybe 89 or something of that nature. Um, but, you know, if you, you just can continue to pay, um, but of course, on the flip side, you know, does someone making a million dollars a year need Social Security? You know, no, so I mean, if people can use that argument as well, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that they could, you know, figure out something that's feasible. Uh, but I do like the idea of not, uh, you know, of, of not having the cap. Uh, 
What do, what do you guys think? Oh, that, that's a good idea. And the other thing, too, I, I did quite a bit of research on Social Security and, you know, the fact that it's that it is, is in reality, it, it is insolvent, um, completely insolvent. There, there's a trust fund that's $2.8 trillion, quote-unquote trust fund. It doesn't it doesn't actually exist in reality. It's a, it's a it's a concept on paper. What it is is mm-hmm. kind of like if somebody if somebody you, you said, hey buddy, um um you know uh, what about that money you owe me? Um, okay, let me hear. I'm going to write this down because I know I do owe it to you. Here, I'm going to write down uh, the the amount of money. What is it? Seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars. Here it is. I owe you. Here's your and hands you this piece of paper that says I owe you seventy five dollars. But you're like, well, wait a minute. Where is that money? Well, I don't really have it, but you know, I'm going to get it. I'm going to collect it from a whole bunch of of people. It's it's upside down, and, and then one thing that you that we have to do as part of the solution, we have to have to insist we have to force these lawmakers quote unquote we have to force them um to stay we gotta lock lock that account up and pour the money back into it and lock it up and not let them touch it again because yeah, they're using this the slush fund. fund that's all using this slush fund it's the same way with the highways you know it's it's all this stuff it's all this stuff that basically they 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 grow government bigger and then they use these programs as 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 a pretense to to add to the debt. So we have 120. At last count, I think I read we have well this is well over a hundred uh, trillion dollars in unfunded li- liabilities, and and a big portion of that is Social Security. Medicare, you know the uh, the mandated entitlements, so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they, they, we've got to stop them from from dipping their hand their, you know, their hands into that money because, I mean, you even take FDIC, you know, you you know, I'm going to put my money in this account because, God God forbid if anything does happen, well I know I can come down and get my money. The FDIC thing is really. Um, a, a technically insolvent in terms of you know the total deposits and you know in the banks in this country uh, people have no idea none so yeah so the glass steagle yes uh definitely sherman antitrust yes definitely but i think it was um and this was interesting there's a movie i recommend if any of you had a chance to watch this movie, it's outstanding. And it's kind of like it's interesting. A lot of my conservative friends would be a little bit averse until I really explain it to them because because Matt Damon is the guy that does the narrative on it. But be that as it may, this movie yeah, called The Inside... conservatism. <laughs> it's called... No, I know that. But it's the movie's called Inside Job, and it and it goes after the Democrats and the Republicans. The reason that the, the original Occupy movement uh, was infiltrated, was co-opted, was basically destroyed, was because it was destroyed by the Democratic Party. They went into a panic mode, and they said, "We've got to kill it. We've got to destroy it. It's 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 liable to it's liable to um, to turn our complete apple cart upside down. We can't have this. That's why you have Democrat mayors in these in these cities." You know, going after the Occupy protesters because they had to break it up. It was threatening their little their little fiefdom. 
Um, but I don't agree with I don't agree that socialism is a solution for anything. I, I believe that the free enterprise system that we used to have in this country is is the solution uh, to all of these problems. It's a solution to income inequality. I mean, obviously you're going to have some people that are going to be more successful than others. There's nothing wrong with that. But as far as you know, this financialization uh, thing that's going on in in Wall Street, you know, that's that's got to come to an end. The only way it comes to an end is you get rid of the you know Washington picking winners and losers get sorted out. So that's where me and Bernie, you know, part company. That's right. all. Yeah. I mean, the same for me, and, you know, met, you know, Webb uh, made the most sense of all of them that, that night. And unfortunately, he was the first one. Um, I figured it would be like O'Malley or someone of that nature would be the first one to drop out. Uh, of course, it's all kind of a moot point since we know he's going to be the last person standing anyway, in my opinion. Now, I mean, Sanders could uh, gain the popularity and actually, uh, you know, get the nomination, but I, I really don't think the um, the Hillary machine is going to let that happen. Nor, nor the Democrat leadership. For my, um, I don't think they'll allow that either. I think they pretty much want Hillary to be uh, their nominee. Well, you know, much I think, like the Republicans I think that all those... Romney. All those 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 candidates that were on that stage, with the exception of Webb, have all made a blood pact with the Hillary Clinton um, uh, industrial empire that uh, that they're going to that they're going to um, serve serve the the visual purpose of 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 not of her not you know being uh, appearing oh. to be coronated. I think that's really all that, that that I think that's what's going on now. Well, and let me play this. Uh, let's see if we got uh, some time for it. Um, this this last clip, and then uh, what the closing things out. This might be a little in point with uh, what what you just said. It, that's the um, you know, it's it's five minutes. Unfortunately, we don't. It was about Hillary's emails, and you recall um, Richard, you know, was watching it where Bernie Sanders said, "Look, let, you know, we're tired of these emails. We got more important things to talk about." Yeah, we're about and that in and of itself. <laughs> Right, and and yep. and that in and of itself, uh, I think you know, speaks volumes. In that you know, okay, they they want to let it go because they knew they knew they could be an albatross around her neck if uh, things really start to get out about what's in those emails. And and, and same with Benghazi, um, we we you know had some, you know, I had a clip also with the play about Benghazi, but unfortunately we have some time. But you know, I had the clip, so at, at other times we can play it. But I think those two things could still possibly be uh, certainly it won't affect her in a uh, the primary. But it's definitely if she gets the nomination, which I still think she will, um, it still I think could very well affect uh, in a general election. Uh, those, those two, um, and also one thing uh, you know we didn't you know talk even more about. Now it's it's not as much uh, as what an attorney general would be, uh, but the you know what happened with the Fast and Furious as well. Uh, you know, that could be something that could affect her, um, too. So there's definitely a lot of things that could be an albatross around her neck that could cause uh, cause us some problems in the general election, depending on who's running against her and who um, – that's why I don't think – you know, I'm kind of concerned about Trump if he gets the nomination because I just don't think he'll give her the fire that's going to need to be the, aimed at her uh, – than what's going to need to be in order for her to be defeated. But do I see, unfortunately, that we've only got about five minutes left, so that means it's time for me to close things out for the for the evening. 
so I definitely want to, you know, thanks everyone for coming on. Uh, of course, uh, thank you, Richard and Susan and Christine and uh, Kelly. Thanks for coming on. We are looking forward to having everybody next week. And, of course, uh, for those who have the link, or I'm sure they can find it either on one of those uh, promos on Facebook, uh, just send it off an email. I know, Susan, uh, I spoke with you earlier today and uh, gave you kind of the, the email uh, that I sent out. You could send it, uh, the link and the information on the shows. Uh, to the yeah, people on your email list, and I appreciate that. So definitely we'll uh, see what uh, comes of those. And so uh, we are still, as I said, looking towards uh, having Miss uh, Tittle or uh, yeah Tittle on next week. Uh, still waiting to to hear from her. Of course, that she's running for president. I'm pretty sure that she's pretty busy. And so uh, and I just I believe left a message uh, yesterday, maybe even today, uh, with her. And so we're looking to see about having her on next week. Uh, but if not, I'm sure we'll uh, still have a good show uh, and a good topic as well. And so we'll be looking forward to that. So, of course, uh, folks, as I said, uh, let's share out the link. And uh, we appreciate it. And, of course, uh, check out the Patriot Journalist Network, which we didn't hear from tonight. Uh, but go ahead and visit the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And uh, also, if you are in Kentucky, uh, please help out the Matt Bevan campaign uh, where you can by going to www.mattbevan.com. Of course, there is the Bards Logic Political Talk website, www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, where, yes, admittedly, I have some updates I need to do, uh, but unfortunately, I, I have not done that. But uh We'll have to get to it soon. And so I will, of course, uh, end tonight, as I do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thanks again, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good night. And we will see you next week. Good night. All You're right. welcome. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.